welcome back to the Mars Hill Sports Podcast. It is episode 60, and we had an awesome episode today with our boy Kyle Baker, a very common recurring guest, the most recurring guest uh, throughout the 60-episode duration of this podcast, Road to 100. Say it with me now, Luke. Road to 100. <laughs> yeah, we kind of messed that up. Yeah, we did mess that up. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, we did all <laughs> plan that. I, I feel like we could have made it cool, but it's also Zoom. So yeah. uh, screw Zoom. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, who's who's our athlete? It's episode 60. Who you got? Yeah, so 60. I'm going to say this is one of the top 10 weirdest numbers. Uh, yeah, and I somehow, feel like there aren't any 60s. Yeah, somehow we've we've got uh, a bit of an icon actually. What? When I when I grew up play uh, when I grew up watching hockey, this was always a consistent guy that I watched. Jose Theodore. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know he was number 60. Yeah. Oh, Jose. For, yeah, absolutely. What a guy. Yeah. Solid career. Yeah. NHL icon career. right there, baby. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. I, I this dig it. This one's for you, man. Yeah. Episode uh, Jose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely not episode Jose Mourinho, but no. uh, I, I don't do that. Uh, Luke, why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, sports section from uh, the last issue? Yeah. So issue number six, Epiphany, was released today. Uh, and it's a, it was a really good issue. Uh, sports section w- was popping off. Uh, Tyler wrote an article about Pascal Siakam making leaps and bounds this season. Really well written. It was an awesome read. And then I wrote a couple articles saying how uh, Steph Curry has revolutionized basketball and how people aren't talking about it enough. And then a very controversial take of the issue. Blech. But I hate for it. All my ta- for all my Tottenham fans, I know there's not many of you. I did do an article on why I think Tottenham might just might finally win a trophy this They're year. They're never going to do I'm anything, not, man. I'm not talking about a Premier League. I'm not talking about a Champions League because they're not even in Champions League. I'm talking about maybe a Carabao, maybe an FA Cup, maybe the Europa. And yeah, emphasis on, on the maybe. Yeah, uh, like a lot of emphasis. My brother, so my brother's a big Tottenham fan. And yeah. I'm an Arsenal fan. So we grew up like having fist fights on the day of NLDs. Um, <laughs> and uh, Andrew and I, uh, he's convinced that they're winning the league this year. He's convinced no. of it. Because one thing uh, I will admit, Jose wins trophies, which yeah. is something that Tottenham doesn't do. So we also just don't know. Uh, it's like, hey, like uh, – a blue-eyed person and a, a brown-eyed person get married, uh, which features will dominate uh, in the genes. And uh, I, I'm going to bet on Tottenham just not winning a trophy, mostly out of spite uh, more than anything. But um, they actually do look all right this year. I'll give yeah. them credit. And, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from the opinion of an Arsenal fan. Um, we got to do a soccer episode soon. We haven't done that in a mm-hmm. while. So, um yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're winning the Premier League, but yeah, they're definitely in the running for something. And generally, those like third or fourth place, second, second or fourth place sides will 
do quite well in uh, FA and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, Arsenal was that when they were back to back. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe you had uh, Alice June. Right. And yeah. she wrote about what it takes to win. And I, that was a really good article. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she kind of wrote from like a psychological kind of point, point of view, uh, yeah. which is kind of right up my alley. And that was an awesome article. And, yeah, I thought it was sweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, in this issue, I also wrote uh, the feature article with Ansa Odoom of the TW Women's Volleyball Team. She is a friend of the show. Uh, she came on last year and uh, was an awesome interview. Definitely worth the listen. Uh, but we talked a lot about Ansa, who has had a really twisty, turny, uh, a roller coaster ride of a career at TWU playing sports. Uh, for the Spartans, she tore her ACL in a warm-up in one of her first games, uh, even just suiting up for the TWU women's volleyball team. Uh, so absolute heartbreaker. But um, yeah, she and then on top of the women's team not getting their chance to win the national championship last year, which they were definitely gearing up to do so. Same with the men's team. Um, yeah. She had that taken away from her Uh, team was in a bit of a rebuild in her second year. And she was also in rehab and then third year, uh, which was last year. uh, That's where it all went down. She earned the starting spot. Um, And yeah, anyways, uh, newest issue is going to be in our lane in, in our, uh, in our little description down below. So you're going to want to check that out. You know, you're also going to want to check out is timestamps timestamps you're gonna want to check out our timestamps that is where you can see uh which point uh of the episode you're here for hopefully you're here the whole time but if you're not and you just want to hear about deshaun watson nfl our mailbag segment where you hopefully submitted your question um yeah you're gonna have to you're gonna have to let us know uh what you think uh uh Sorry, no, you're going to have to check those timestamps out. Another thing too, if you haven't given us a review or follow uh, a review on Apple or a follow on Spotify, please do so. It goes miles for us. Think of it this way. You give us a review. It can be one star, which we actually do have a one star review, uh, but we can't let the haters get to us like that. Uh, Out of our 12 reviews, uh, the more reviews you give us, the higher chance uh, we have of being discovered. How about that, Luke? Imagine if we get discovered. Yeah, I know. That'd be, and then we actually do become Deshaun Watson's uh, financial advisors and counselors and whatnot. Spoiler alert, but. I feel, I feel, yeah. Like, I feel like it's not a matter of like whether we're going to get the job or not. I feel like it's like, if we just get discovered enough for yeah. that, like, honestly, like, I think he, once he listens to, well, mostly if, but if you give a review once, uh, he listens to the episode, he's definitely gonna, he's definitely gonna ring us up and then we can actually throw that in our, in our Instagram bio. So yeah, totally. I yeah. would add the emoji of like the money with wings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would do that one. And change our, our like Instagram account to like business, like a business account and put entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. everyone trusts a guy who has entrepreneur yeah. in his uh, IG bio, right, Luke? You read my mind. 
You literally read my mind, man. Oh my gosh. And you know what's another good one? The stocks rising. Uh, oh, the stocks rising yeah. one. That one's awesome. So, um, yeah. Anyways, uh, before we get into our uh, interview with Kyle, where we talked a little bit about football, let's go through our mailbag segment here. So, we have a couple of questions. And we're going to start off with Caden Gamash, who has asked us, uh, he asked us a question for last episode, but he's asking us to rank our top five most iconic sports venues. So this is completely subjective. Uh, Obviously, I I took, Luke took a more personal standpoint. Uh, I took a more like when I'm watching a game, when there's fans, can't wait for fans to be back one day, hopefully, anytime um uh i wrote from that perspective so uh luke we'll start with you what do you what are your top five start from five yeah uh so i completely misread the question kate and i apologize this is actually such a great question but for me this is really tough to kind of break down because i think each sport kind of deserves their own top five let alone just top five in general so i think it's a really great question So for me, these are just the top five venues that I've had uh, the privilege and the gratitude of of visiting and kind of walking around. Uh, So at number five, uh, I'll give an honorable mention later on, but at number five, uh, Dodger Stadium. It's really, I think it's really cool. It's old fashioned. I was only, I wasn't there for a game or anything. I was just there for for a tour and it was really sweet. Uh, I really like, got the idea of like I can see like the appeal of like playing for the Dodgers for sure and I think a lot of it had to do with their stadium just kind of really old-fashioned with the big screen out at at center field it's a Uh, sick stadium yeah I I really liked it and had a really good experience with it plus the view of like downtown LA I thought it was really sweet uh and I managed to go on a day where the smog wasn't really all that bad so it made it for an even better view all right. I like that pick. Love it. What's your number five? My number five is uh, CenturyLink slash Lumen Field now uh, where the Seattle Seahawks play. I've only been outside of the stadium when a game is being played. Uh, that is the closest I've been. I've actually never been to any of the arenas or um, stadiums that I have written down. Um but yeah, CenturyLink, whole uh, 12th man vibe. Uh, game is always buzzing. Um, Seahawks are a tough home team to play. And yeah, I, I, love, I love watching Seahawks games with fans being there. The, the, the 12 flags, it's an awesome environment. I wish I could go experience a game, but unfortunately it doesn't seem like it's going to be like that for a while. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my number five. What do you got for number four? Yeah, my number four is your number five. I'm calling it CenturyLink Field. It's, like, incredible. I managed to watch a game. Uh, it was, like, six, seven years ago, maybe. But they absolutely cranked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like, 35 to 7. But it was <laughs> – and we had, like, nose – you know, we were in the nosebleeds. But it was just like, – like, the noise was, like, so loud, even from the nosebleeds. Like, I really – you could really tell, like – the fans in Seattle are something different just because of the energy that they brought to a game like that, where they like, you know, cranked a, you know, a really poor Tampa Bay Buccaneers team uh, and got the job done. And it was just a ton of fun as well. 
Yeah. That's uh, it, it does seem like just an awesome environment. Um, my, another football stadium I got for us here. Uh, I hate the green Bay Packers, but let me be, let me be honest. Uh, the Lambo leap is like the coolest touchdown celebration. Um, it's so immersive. Uh, the fact that those players are uh, willing to go jump in with the fans there is just awesome. And that's been going on for such a long time. And it's just cool seeing that tradition be carried on uh, named after the stadium too, Lambeau. So um, yeah, Lambeau field. It is, it is so it's, it's an electric environment when the Packers are playing. Uh, they have such a good fan, but like such a solid fan base. I hate Packers fans. Um, I don't really like the pack. I hate the Packers too. Sports hate. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's my pick. Um, what do you got for number three? Uh, at number three, I have AT and T Park where the San Francisco Giants play. Yep, it's a sick field with that giant Coke bottle and the slide within it. It's a great it, choice. Yeah, it's so cool being there, and then also you have the splash zone of like when the you know the ball goes over out for a home run. It's just awesome being there. All the kayakers and the people on paddle boards. So funny. Yeah. 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 Okay. I dig it. Um, My number three, I went with the soccer stadium. Um, The Allianz Arena in Munich. Okay. It is beautiful. Yeah. It is stunning. Uh, Anytime you look at it, uh, whenever Bayern is playing a night game, first of all, Bayern, German fans are also just awesome. Uh, Dortmund fans. Fans are so diehard. Uh, Leipzig fans, I know there's a lot of controversy around Leipzig and their fans and the organization as a whole, but uh, there's so many diehards out in Germany and, uh, and Allianz for the most prestigious uh, German club in today's, uh, in today's Bundesliga. Uh, the Allianz Arena is beautiful. It is iconic. And uh, it's one of the nicest football stadiums in the, uh, in the world. So, yeah, that's my number three. That's a good shout. That's a good shout. Uh, my number two is, I don't even know what, I'm calling it Safeco. Uh, Safeco is, it just brings really good memories for me. I've been able to see a good handful of Mariners games. And it's just such a good field. I don't know what about it it is, but uh it's just awesome being there every time a sunny afternoon game with the with family and friends it's just always a really good time and yeah i think i think for me like i don't particularly watch baseball on tv but it's actually like one of my favorite sports to watch uh in in person i yeah and it shows here because i've got four uh baseball parks out of my top five uh, and it's just because I think I don't know what it is about baseball in real life, but I think Safeco just does just does something for me that not not a lot of other sports does. Yeah, the ballpark atmosphere is also just so cool too. Like you you understand like understanding that every ballpark is different too. Like there really is no there there is not there isn't a single like there's hitters parks, there's pitchers parks. There's weird cutouts at some of the walls. Uh, I mean, we're going to get to some of that later uh, when I talk about my number two. 
But uh, yeah, no, I love say, uh, well, T-Mobile Park now. Uh, I've seen opening days at T-Mobile slash Safeco. Um, yeah, I, I, I used to go to a lot of Mariners games in high school. I, I love the Mariners, uh, heartbreaking franchise to cheer for. Uh, but things are looking on the up and up. Uh, very good prospect pool that the Mariners are working with. And it seems like DePoto's taking the team into the a better direction. So hopefully we get some good games, T-Mobile. Uh, if I ever get there, um, my number two Fenway, the green monster is iconic. Yeah. Um, the, this is the thing, the ball ballparks just have the upper edge. And part of that is just because of the diversity. Like I said earlier, right? Like there's just so many cool features you can throw into a ballpark and the MLB is going to be cool with it. Right? Like imagine if there's, I don't know, a big wall, on the 20 yard line <laughs> at Lambeau. It's like, Oh, that's not allowed. It's like, yeah, of course it's not. It gets football, but uh, ba- it's just the nature of baseball and how it is. Uh, the ballpark atmosphere is also just like such a good mixture of like being relaxed and like also like paying attention to the game. You chill. Um, and it's just a great time. Like I love, I love watching baseball games in person. Uh, I do watch some baseball uh, on TV, uh, in the summers, but, uh, and I, I watch a lot of playoff baseball, but I generally, uh, I generally stick with, uh, with watching my, my basketball, my, uh, little bit of soccer that I keep up with hockey and football. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's my number two Fenway, the green monster, and then the super small wall that David Ortiz used to just knock home runs over, uh, in that absolute hitters park at Fenway, it's just a, it's a thing of beauty. So yeah, that's my, uh, that's my number two. What's your number one? Yeah, my number one is, is Fenway. Uh, just going here is like something else. I think it's kind of, you know, as a sports fan, I think it just should be on your bucket list. Like no matter what kind of fan base you're from, uh, it's just like incredible being that you, you can feel the history in there. And uh, I even had like the privilege of going to a Yankees Red Sox game as well. And then, uh, yeah, Red Sox got spanked by New York nine to three from what I remember. And yeah, it was just awesome being in that environment of the Yankees Red Sox, hearing words that I've never heard before uh, and people saying them to each other. It was just awesome to be (laughs) to be around. I don't think any of them were directed at me, but it was just so cool uh, being a part of that. And I think it should just be on anybody's bucket list for sure. Yeah, no, that's uh that's totally fair. Um, I do, I do, I do dig the, like, I, that's so cool. So that you've been to Fenway. Um, oh, I would love to go. I want to do like a little bit of a ballpark road trip at some point in my life. Um, <clears throat> maybe when I have money one day. Um, that is not the case these days. My number, my number one, another ballpark is uh, Wrigley Field. The Ivy is what gets me. It is so like it is the rustic ballpark. The Ivy is so cool. Um, my best friend Jordan Bogris, a member of the TW men's hockey team, he got to go to the NL uh, championship series. He went and watched the game uh, with his dad. Actually, no, it might have been. Yeah, I think it was NL, NLCS. Oh, wow. And I think it was like the game five or game six. It was the game before they clinched to get into the World Series against the Dodgers. It's the coolest thing. 
Uh, he brought me a ball back from Wrigley. I have it in my room. And uh, I would love, like, Chicago, I really want to go to Chicago and go to, like, a Blackhawks game, go to uh, Wrigley, and, and uh, maybe even hit a, a Bulls game, too. That's, like, one of the coolest sports cities, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, I would love to go love to go at some point so yeah those are uh iconic sports venues i okay i I do want to bring this up um there's just something more epic about the field atmosphere than the like court or the or like the hockey arena atmosphere in my opinion yeah i feel like that's why like i don't know ballparks like are in a league of their own like this list could have very well been five ballparks um but just like atmosphere, like when there's more people, which these stadiums, these big stadiums allow, uh, contrary to arenas and uh, these uh, uh, other basketball courts and such, um, it's just so much better, the atmosphere. So that's why I left out any NBA teams um, and any NHL stadiums. One thing I will say about that too is that uh, the the – yeah, I guess just like the atmosphere, there's no, there's, there isn't as much iconic atmosphere in like the NBA and the NHL for me. Whereas like the mm-hmm. NFL has that, uh, soccer definitely has that. And I mean, baseball, again, league of their own. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right. Let's get on to our next question here from Samuel Park a dedicated Nuggets fan, and it is a Nuggets-related question. (laughs) He's asking, Jokic, as in Nikola Jokic, should be the glaring frontrunner for MVP. Why isn't he getting the attention? I want to hear your opinion on this first. Well, I think off the bat, I think a lot of it has to do with where – like Denver's 7-7 and right now, and I think MVPs aren't made out of 10th seeds. Mind you, we're only 14 games out of the 72-game season. I definitely think he, he's the MVP in my eyes. I looked up the MVP tracker on Basketball Reference yesterday. He's the front runner as well. I think Jokic just kind of flies under the radar regardless of anything. I know he gained a lot of traction throughout the playoff run uh, last season because uh, he did so incredibly well. But you have to remember that he was, he's been very consistent for the past, like, two, three years. Um, and I feel like when players are consistent, they might fly under the radar, but he's definitely my number one pick for MVP as of now. Uh, he's just playing incredible. And the fact that it's Jokic, I love it even more. He's one of my favorite players in the league so far. Yeah, I do. I do tend to agree. It is a, a reward, uh, an, an award that really for me revolves around having a winning record. And that's something uh, that the Denver Nuggets are just at 500 right now. Um, once the Denver Nuggets start winning more games, I I I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Jokic vaults himself to number one in odds. Um, let's quickly let me let me run through odds here. So I'll run yeah. uh, I'll run it. Uh, so currently favored is Luka Doncic at plus 400. Then it goes to Giannis who is at plus 500, but we all know he's not going to win it again. Um, Kevin Durant, Mm -hmm. who is at plus 550. LeBron James and Jokic are tied 
for uh, the four five spot and they are at plus 600 starts to drop off a lot after that goes to like Steph Curry plus 900 then Embiid at 1200 Lillard at 1800 uh, Anthony Davis at plus 2200 which is actually an interesting one but uh, to be honest he's not going to win it so yeah. um yeah no I, I I agree Sam like he should be the glaring front runner but at this moment it is completely determined by record and I'm not going to sit here and be like oh well the Dallas Mavericks uh Luca's favored like I don't think that's right either but we also have to remember before the season Luca was the favorite to win MVP so uh there's obviously some residual uh some residual aspect with that them kind of sticking with their guns uh out in Vegas there so um personally it's too early to say like who's going to win it I really do think if we get a full Kevin Durant season and let's say they finish first in the East, uh, I, I really do think that uh, the, uh, the, that Kevin Durant has a shot at that. Um, but at the moment they're fifth in the East. So that's going to have to go up. Uh, it just seems like a bit of a prerequisite to be uh, at least a number like three or four seed to win MVP. And uh, that's, it sucks, but that's kind of the way it is. And Jokic has been balling out this year. I don't want to take any of his thunder, but um, it just sucks that that's the reality of it. So, yeah. All right. We got a couple more questions here. And then we have some very, uh, very fun questions to end the episode off with. Um, Yeah, let's get into uh, Nate Cara, who asked us, um, he asked us about the New York Knicks. And whether the New York Knicks are legit or not. Uh, I don't know if you want to speak on this, Luke, but I'll, I'll hash out a couple things here. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, so to, to draw things out for you guys right now who are listening, uh, the Knicks are currently sitting in the eight seed out in the Eastern Conference. They are seven and eight right now. Uh, they had a pretty hot start to the year. And they faltered a little bit. Uh, They are on a two-game win streak right now, which is a big deal for that organization. (laughs) And um, they have they have beaten some like good teams. Um, Before before I kind of go on bashing what the Knicks really are, and that I think they're 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 bound to regress at the moment. I do want to emphasize some of the things that like they look better in Um, Julius Randall say what you want is kind of playing that like bad teams dream basketball right now where he's just getting a bunch of stats. Um, He's playing a little bit more in a face up role this year. Um, And he's also like creating for his teammates. Obviously assists aren't completely indicative of that. Uh, but him playing in that face-up role allows him to move the ball. And the Knicks are moving the ball actually quite well. What, what gets me for the Knicks actually more than anything is the personnel. Um, I don't mind Randall as like a guy on a team like the Knicks right now. Like it gives the fan, it gives that fan base a little bit to be excited for a guy who's just like a statistical God in a sense. Um, RJ Barrett is actually like he's inconsistent and we don't fully know what he is offensively yet, but 
he has actually been he 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 just looks better. Um, the RJ Barrett we got last year was like solid defensive guy, and it seemed like he was bound for just like the role player's life in the NBA. Like I don't know, go right out a twelve year career. But this season, he's shown us a glimmer that he actually might just be a pretty solid NBA basketball player. Um, he's creating for himself off the dribble more. Uh, we know that he's a decent passer already. Like he's got a lot of aspects to his game that are easy to be excited about. Another important thing to note, the New York Knicks have the second best statistical defense in the NBA behind drum roll, please the Cleveland Cavaliers right now, which is blowing my mind. And to be honest, uh, both of these teams, that's not going to stick around. Um, but I do want to say this, uh, Tom Thibodeau generally coaches good defending teams. Uh, one thing I will also say about Tom Thibodeau is that he does not really like the three ball that much. And I'm not saying this is a good three, three point shooting team, uh, but percentage wise, they're actually shooting the ball quite well right now. So, um, that's kind of all I have to say about the Knicks. Like, I think they're just bound for regression, uh, as, as like the Cleveland Cavaliers, are uh and i mean like there's teams that are bound to improve like i think i don't think we've seen the last of the washington wizards uh the toronto raptors are starting to put up some more wins which is just great to see um and then the miami heat have also had a slow start and i also think the atlanta hawks could uh be better than a 500 team but uh cavaliers knicks and also the magic are pretty like they're a well-coached team. It just depends on how well they handle this barrage of injuries they've received at the start of the year here. So um, sorry to babble there, but uh, yeah. Do you have anything to add about the Knicks? Uh, like oh, just a little bit. I thought you summed it up really well. Uh, I, I really like this Knicks team for some reason. Like they, they work hard. They kind of have a bulldog mentality to them. Totally. And, and that's, think... that's something that Tibbs brings out in guys. And yeah. I do like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, for a couple of years, Tibbs got kind of a bad rap, especially at Minnesota. Uh, but I feel like this, these kind of groups of players fit his style more. And I think he's kind of instilled a mindset there of just going out, working your butt off and trying to win these games. And they've like kind of caught me off guard. Uh, I mean, I have Randall on fantasy and I'm blessed to have him because now I'm thinking, is Randall like a potential guy for most improved player this year? Cause he's just kind of been reborn him and Barrett. I think those guys could be decent shouts for the most improved player. Uh, I just really like how, how hard these guys work and Tibbs fits this system of just, you know, working hard and trying to get out, you know, close wins. And I'm just looking at their point differential. They're losing by like a bucket a game. And when you break it down, which is like pretty, like pretty good. Cause we all assumed the Knicks would suck this year. Um, but I really liked how Tibbs have kind of, has kind of taken this opportunity to really kind of try and grow and develop these guys and instill a mindset and a culture, which I think is super important in a team and having a culture and this, and not even like going after free agents cause they didn't this year. Uh, and Tibbs realizing like, Hey, I'm, this is the group I have. Let's just go after it. And I, I really like that. Uh, I find that I have huge respect for them, actually. Agreed. Um, for the record, uh, Julius Randle currently sits uh, in third for most improved player odds via Vegas Insider. Um, 
Christian Wood is a a landslide right now. He's mm-hmm. at plus one ten, which wow. is just crazy. Um, but then Jeremy Grant uh, in second, which I, yep. I I get, um, but I feel like he's in a similar situation to Julius Randle for me. Uh, he's he's at plus three hundred, uh, and then Julius Randle's at plus twelve hundred. One thing I will say about the most improved player award is sometimes it feels like it doesn't really get given out to guys that play on like bad teams. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Brandon Ingram winning it with new Orleans last year, like they didn't make the playoffs, uh, but that was a meteor, meteor, meteoric, whatever, however you say it, <laughs> rise. Um to where he played last to the level he played at last year. Um, so if I'm going to be completely honest, like I don't really see a world where Randall wins it uh, mostly just because like, I don't really think this Knicks team is going to make the playoffs. I think if he, if, if they go to the play in and let's say the Rockets miss the play in, which they could, and the Pistons, they're not going to do anything. Like I think Randall could definitely be up for it. Uh, if he keeps these numbers up for sure. Um, second year guys generally don't get most improved. Yeah. Which I do understand yeah. to a certain extent. Totally. Um, because I feel like there's always so many second year guys that you could, uh, you could say are up for it. So, but yeah, no, I, that's awesome. You have him for fantasy. He must just be killing yeah. it for you. So yeah, he that's has a big been. pickup. And I got Jeremy Grant as well. <laughs> okay, yeah, he's he's yeah. getting numbers, so that's yeah. yeah, that's 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 a that's a big thing. Some other interesting names in the mix uh, for most improved player: Jalen Brown at plus fourteen hundred, Michael Porter Jr. at plus two thousand, uh, Demonta Sabonis at plus yeah. two thousand, Shy Gilgis Alexander at plus twenty five hundred, uh, Colin Sexton, who I thought would be a bit higher up the. The latter here is at plus 3,500. So, um, yeah, I don't know how long, how much longer Sexton uh, keeps up this level of play for, but he's been balling out to start yeah. the year. So, yeah. Anyways, let's get on to uh, our next question here. Um, here's a funny one. Uh, sent in by anonymous TW staff member who I texted today asking for uh, if he had any mailbag questions and he's asking most athletic TW staff member. Uh, I think we all have an idea who's asking this. Um, I'm, let's not say it though. Um, okay. Here's my, here's my, uh, my, my, I have two guys that uh, are up for, up for the challenge here. Uh, Jeff Gamash, because he is the director of all athletes. Yeah. He is the king of athletes at Trinity. He yeah. is also a friend of the show. True. Um, our he, coach. Yeah, he's our coach. That's like a big thing. I bet you he's good at curling. Like, yeah. I feel like Jeff is kind of like one of those guys who would be good at curling and other things. So uh, I can't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to sleep on Jeff in that aspect. He's the director of athletes. He's got, he's got to yeah. have some respect. Number two, I don't know if you know who Andrew Hemming is. Yep, I've seen him around. Yep. Andrew Hemming yep. is the second coming of Mr. Clean on, on, on protein, we'll say. Andrew <laughs> Hemming, Andrew Hemming, 
is also a very stellar individual. If you ever have a chance to interact with Andrew Hemming, take one of his workout classes. He's the best dude. He's one of the best dudes I've ever met in, in my, during my time at Trinity. So um, he is a beast. That guy in the gym, I'm like afraid, but then it's like, he'll talk to you. And I'm like, he's the nicest dude I've ever met in my life. Like what's <laughs> going on here? It's like, you don't fit the mold of like, aggressive like he looks like a gladiator if he threw on a helmet <laughs> if he threw on a helmet and had like a mace in his hand like you know those things yeah. with like the ball and chain thing um yeah. i would run yeah i don't know if i actually know i don't know if i'd be able to run i'd be paralyzed by fear you'd freeze so, yeah um just on that aspect uh andrew hemming might be winning my award so i'm actually going to give it to andrew hemming Fair. Yeah. Oh. You're up. Oh, I'm trying to think. Sorry, can you repeat the question? I want Most make sure athletic I TW staff member. Most athletic TW staff member. Oh, my goodness. Oh. You know what? Okay, I'm just going to go off of my experience. Uh, I don't know too many staff members, but I know the one that I stay in touch with he was my boss last year, former U Sports volleyball player. Oh, this I'm, is a good show. I'm giving it to Mr. Taylor Howe. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, he's got a good build on him. He can jump pretty, pretty freaking high. Uh, and he's competitive, awesome guy as well. He's a great uh, dude. Yeah, very approachable. So shout out to you, Taylor, man. Shout Miss out you. Taylor Howe. Yeah. Indirect friend of the show. Maybe a friend yeah. of the show one day. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. We only have so many episodes left, Luke. Yeah, till 100. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, for the record, it was Paul Curtis who asked the question. I think we all <laughs> knew that. Um, and I just didn't want to gas him up. Uh, but Paul, shout out. You're a great athlete. I won't steal that from you. But uh, I just didn't want to give it to you uh, in spite of you asking the question. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, we have one more serious question. Uh, after right. that really serious question we just had, uh, Patrick Line, uh, this is submitted by Mac Weens, another friend of the show. Great dude. Uh, miss you, Mac. He's graduated now. But he uh, yes, he, he, he threw in a question today because I actually realized while we're recording, I threw, up, I threw this up on Twitter as well. And you do not have Twitter. So he's asking, do you think Patrick Line will be traded if he does, who do you think would trade for him? Asking for a Jets fan. Mac is that Jets fan. Uh, he is from Winnipeg, like you. Yep. Um, okay. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, Mac, I really only see a couple of really eligible suitors in the NHL right now. And one of those is the Carolina Hurricanes, which – uh, they've actually had traction uh, in negotiating for this. Uh, there's been some rumors about it being centered around, uh, I believe uh, uh, it is, I got it pulled up here. Yeah, Martin Ekes and uh, Brett Pesci and possibly like a pick for Patrick Line. So let me draw this out for you. Uh, Line who is eligible for restricted free agency this upcoming summer 
uh, signed a bridge deal, a two-year deal worth uh, $6.75 million per year. Uh, he is in his age 22 season, and uh, he's going to be asking for a pretty penny like he des- because he deserves it. Yeah. Uh, the only problem here is it's really obvious that Winnipeg doesn't have the option to pay him. Uh, they've inked Kyle Connor, who's another amazing player on a very team-friendly deal uh, worth just over $7 million a year AAV. They also have Blake Wheeler, who's age 34 right now, on $8.25 million per year, signed until 2023-2024. So they have some cap issues. They're also, like, they're paying uh, some non-roster guys right now. Like, they're paying... Dylan, Dylan DeMillo, $3 million a year um, uh, for the next three seasons, for the, for the next four seasons. So, um, yeah. Um, he's a movable contract, and there's going to be a team out there that wants him. And uh, Carolina, for me, makes sense. So, currently, they have approximately – uh, $2.2 million uh, in cap room remaining. They have a bunch of draft picks they can use. They also have a really talented roster, a bunch of guys on some pretty team-friendly deals. Um, but there are also some issues with that. They have Nino Niederreiter on like a $5 million contract for the next two years, 5.25 actually. Uh, they have Jordan Stahl, who is their captain, but he's signed for the next three years at $6 million a year. Um, they're also going to have to be paying Andre Shvechnikov, who is probably their second best player, soon to be their best player. Um, yeah, and they also got to pay Dougie Hamilton this offseason. And Dougie Hamilton is an elite defenseman. They're going to be paying him some good money. And also Peter Morazic and James Reimer are, uh, are going to be free agents. It, I, I don't know, man. The liney thing, it's just like, it's really hard when these teams know that they're going to have to shell out so much and they've seen what giving really talented players, but like multiple talented players, um, a lot of money go poorly. Uh, look at Toronto. That's, that's what I'm referring to is like Toronto is the, the nightmare of all nightmares when you look at their cap friendly page, right? So it's obvious that Patrick Laine doesn't want to play there. And it's obvious that Winnipeg is somewhat handcuffed right now. So I feel like the asking price is going to have to start lowering. I think he gets traded this season, if I'm going to be completely honest, um, because I just don't see a world where they end up keeping him. They're not going to sign him. He doesn't want to stay. So, yeah, what do you think? You're a Jets guy, so. Yeah, uh, it really is unfortunate, but I feel like the best thing to do is to kind of move on and to get something for him at least and not leave this too late because I think we've seen this happen too many times in sports where a star player wants to leave and the team ends up waiting and they don't get anything for him. I think the Jets are smartly run, and I think they won't wait because they recognize – Line eight doesn't want to play in Winnipeg. And to be honest, I wouldn't really play in Winnipeg either. It's just not the not the great. It's a great place to be from, as one of my friends once put it. But I think besides that, I think being able to you're gonna get something 
from for line a and i think you'll be able to get a lot as soon if you're able to kind of get it soon and i think carolina is actually a really good suitor because they have a fantastic roster i think uh and i really feel like if winnipeg's able to snag you know a few draft picks one or two players from carolina i feel like i'd be very happy with that um you know i'm not expecting the world from a trade from line a just because he's not like the best player in the nhl by any means but you know, he's incredibly talented. You know, he's a threat. He's a goal-scoring threat, one of the best shots in the league. Uh, and I feel like that could really add to Carolina, but I think Carolina can also it can also give up some things as well. And so I think if he's able to get traded, I would like him to go to Carolina just because I feel like the return would be more than fair for us as well. Yeah, and Carolina is also a team that has depth, but they could also use just like someone who's going to bang in possibly 45 goals in a season, right? Like, I'm not saying Andre Shvestikov can't be that. If anything, he shows every sign of being that guy. But having two of them is even better. Um, mm-hmm. They could move off of a defenseman. I don't know what the deal is with Dougie Hamilton. Maybe they even extend Dougie Hamilton or they move off of him, which sucks. But they also have guys like Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci, uh, um, Hayden Fleury, I believe, uh, who are on that NHL roster, really solid uh, young defensemen. Brady Skay, um, Jake Gardner even too, uh, on such a team-friendly deal. So, yeah, if I'm going to be completely honest, like I love that Hurricanes roster. I don't know if you want to tamper with it because, in my opinion, they're a sneaky cup contender right now. So, um, yeah, I love, I love that Carolina team. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, but let's get into some more, uh, some more uh, fun, more fun questions here uh, before we get on to Kyle. From my girlfriend, Jamie Dolman, uh, can you please provide some information on your experience on the curling team at Trinity Smiley Face? Um, why don't you open that up for us? Yeah. So I was man. I managed to get recruited by Trinity in my fourth year. Uh, actually I played a little bit in high school. I was an all American conference, uh, played in the state championships twice, but got, got knocked out a couple of times. And I realized like, Hey, I don't think, you know, no schools really recruited me just because, I would normally finish dead last in those state championships, but I did get all American twice. Uh, and then in my grade 12 year, this one uh, university uh, uh, decided like, Hey, like we're going to, you know, take you on. And then uh, I realized, and then I was like so nervous the day after that I accidentally like, you know, I cut my thumbnail too short. And so that <laughs> injury really sidelined me uh, for a couple months. And I, yeah, that injury actually ended up derailing my college career. Uh, And so I ended up having to, and then I decided, hey, I want to come to Trinity. I think it's a really good school. And uh, yeah, and then it wasn't until I came on this podcast as the co-host and then we interviewed Jeff Gamash. And before we started talking about curling and I was like, oh my goodness, I play, I, I curl. And he's like, let's take you on. Let's take you on, man. And that's kind of my, my career in uh, curling. I love that. Uh, from my end of things, uh, I actually 
um, I was an old Canadian uh, in, in grade 12 and I didn't want to go. I had a couple offers to go play uh, Div 1, but I actually went a different route. A different route. Luckily, the, uh, the, the PCL, the Pro Curling League, uh, basing itself out of Alaska. Um, fortunately, they have a new program where you can enter the C League, which is basically the G League uh, for curling. Uh, they just opened it up this year. They actually model a lot of their stuff after the NBA. So they're quite progressive as an organization. Uh, their commissioner is named, uh, I think it's Madam, Madam Gold or something. Yeah, it's Madam Gold. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's actually, yeah, kind of weird. His name's Madam and he's a, a dude. Um, but he's actually cousins with Adam Silver. So I think that's why some of like the stuff uh, that the NBA does is copied by the PCL. Um, so yeah, I played in the C league uh, for a year. I, uh, and uh, I, I actually turned out to be a huge draft bust when I was drafted to the PCL. <laughs> like we're talking Anthony Bennett here. <laughs> um, so yeah, I sucked. Uh, once I got to the PCL, so then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go to Trinity and uh, try become an elementary school teacher because I'm embarrassed and uh, I can't handle the smoke. Um, turns <laughs> out Jeff Gamash uh, signs us, you and I, for TW Curling, and that's where we are now. So, yeah. What a story. It is a great story. You have a very – you have a cool story, man. Like, the, like, I can't imagine dealing with that fingernail incident. Yeah, it really, it really hurt. And does it still bother you? It it grew back eventually. Okay. It took like it took like a, a couple of weeks. So it's like the recovery was quite was quite long and strenuous. I had to go to I had to go to physio. <laughs> no, and I, I had to get surgery on it. Yeah, it was bad. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> anyway, right. um. Next question. There is a series of like 11 questions from Nissa Morgan, humor editor on Marcel. So uh, Shout out, many, I'm just going to shoot these off to you and you're just going to, you're just going to rapid fire answer these for me. Okay. Okay. How many goals does it take to make a touchdown? Seven. All right. What's Shaq's favorite color? Red. Do you think the grass hurts when you run on it? No. Do you think Michael Phelps pees in the pool? Probably a couple times. I think so too. How many fingers am I holding up? Three. I wonder, to what extent was Tiger Woods' involvement in 9-11? Prefer not to say. Inside information. Um... Do synchronized swimmers wear AirPods to hear the music underwater? It's actually a good question. No. Who has cuter dimples? RM from BTS or golf balls? RM from BTS. All right. If Mars Hill had a dodgeball team who would you who would be your first pick on your team 
McKenna. How come? She's tactical, I think. Yeah, I feel like she'd be calculated. Yeah. Yeah, like with me, you get the arm. Yeah. But you don't get the you don't get the longevity. Yeah, and I was thinking of that question as somebody other than Tyler. Yeah. I think Nissa deserves a show. I played spike ball with her. She's uh she's True. got some fight in her. Yeah. yeah. I would I would shout out uh Caroline as well. Yeah, I feel like Caroline would 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 know how to know her way around the dodgeball court. So yeah. Anyways, um before we get going into every single member of our team and whether they'd be a good fit on our dodgeball team or not. Let's get on to some football talk. So, uh, yeah, we will, uh, we'll see you over there and hope you enjoyed the mailbag segment. Keep those questions coming. We had a lot today. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thanks good. everybody. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate it a lot and uh, love the engagement. So, uh, I don't know if it's going to be an every episode thing, but uh, we'll do it as much as we can. So, yeah. All right. Football talk. Here we go. All right. Episode 60. We are back and fulfilling yet another week of his contract is Kyle Baker. Kyle, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Tyler. I'm happy to be back. A third week. I know I made a uh, I made a James Harden joke last week when I said uh, you know I was here for a full two weeks. Might have to upgrade that to a Deshaun Watson joke now. Um, but so now we're into my third week, but I'm happy to be back. Yeah, it really just depends on what kind of scenario or outcome you want for uh, the Marcel Sports Podcast. Because uh, hey, the Rockets got a pretty good deal, and uh, the Houston other Houston team, who we're going to talk about in a bit here, uh, they might get fleeced. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they've done it before. They've done it before, that's for sure. So, um, we'll be getting to some Deshaun Watson stuff at the end of the episode. But first things first, um, overall thoughts on how this divisional round went. We'll start with you, Luke. How are you feeling? What did you think? Good. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't able to catch a lot of the divisionals but when i did i thought it was still really exciting like i thought that chiefs browns game was like pretty crazy especially towards the end and a couple factors namely mahomes going out with a concussion and seeing what's up there and then also seeing that tampa bay and new orleans game that was a pretty that was a really good game as well just to kind of sit back and watch too and let kind of brady work at it uh it was really well it was worked really well and uh, really good games, actually. And you, Kyle, Mr. Baker, what do you think? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I think, um, you know, we, we got a little bit of closer game uh, in that Kansas City and Cleveland game that Luke mentioned than I think, uh, well, than I think it really, really should have been um, with Mahomes going out. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. We got a little bit of a closer game there on Sunday morning, which was kind of nice. Um, yeah, I thought the New Orleans and Tampa game, Bay game was probably the game that turned out to be the, the best to watch, I would say. I mean, I think the, the Bills and Ravens game was a little bit tough to watch in, in, in some spots. Both teams really seemed to struggle to move the ball. And then obviously Lamar getting knocked out uh, in the second half there. Uh, so I think of the four games, I probably enjoyed the, the Tampa-New Orleans game the most. Um, but all four, all four had their moments, that's for sure. And playoff football is playoff football. 
Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I caught myself on mute there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's like playoffs have been good so far. It's always just a a pleasant surprise getting like your good games. And I would say this week, it like games still felt like they were within reach for the most part. Uh, it took it took a while for it to feel like the Packers had uh, kind of broken away from the Rams. And uh, the Bills-Ravens game was just weird. We didn't really know what was going on the whole time, in a sense. Uh, and then, I mean, Browns-Chiefs was hilarious. We'll, uh, I'm de- very excited to talk about that one. And then uh, Bucks-Saints was also quite, quite a game as well. So um, I, would say, I would say excitement level, it was definitely easier to watch the wild card round. I, I'd say it felt that way for me personally. But uh, still a great slate we had going on, and I'm really looking forward to the championship games this weekend. So let's start off with Rams-Packers. We'll go to you, uh, Kyle, first. Any thoughts? That was a that was a that was a. I mean, I was wrong. I thought I thought it was going to be a lot closer than it ended up. But hey, what can you do? Yeah, you know, I think. Uh, contributing factor to that the fact that Aaron Donald was only able to play maybe half the game uh, I think last it seemed like he pretty much pretty much didn't play anything that wasn't a clear passing down uh, it, for the most part in the game so yeah I think that was a real effect you know when we talked about it last week we laid out a case for the Rams but it was a pretty specific case and it definitely required uh, Aaron Donald being able to go full throttle for the whole game um, so all in all, I think if you're, if you're the Rams, if you're a Rams fan and you're looking at that game, you're disappointed that you lost, but you don't really see anything where you don't really feel like you had much of a chance in the game, uh, in the end with, with, with Donald being unable to play the majority of the game. I didn't really think golf was all that bad, to be honest. I, I thought it he was pretty, pretty average for a guy who's banged up, you know, 21 for 27. They didn't throw the whole, the ball a whole lot. I think they really tried to establish the ground and, uh, the power running game that they showed late in the regular season and against Seattle uh, acres had 18 carries for 90 yards, which I mean, on, on an average day is not all that bad for a running back. So yeah. And then just quickly on the Packers side of the game, I think you saw what you need, you wanted to see from the Packers. I mean, if, if I had to look at the four teams that won this weekend, the Packers have me feeling the best about them moving forward. If I'm being honest, I thought the Packers came in and did exactly what I expected. I liked the fact that they were able to get more than just one receiver involved. Um, You knew it was going to be a little bit difficult to get Adams going with him matched up against Ramsey. Uh, They did get the ball to Adams. They targeted him 10 times, got it to him nine times and a score. But it was nice to see Lazard get involved as well. Um, They ran the ball kind of with a three-headed monster there of Jones, Williams, and Dylan. They were able to run the ball. So I liked what I saw from them moving into this week. Yeah, I think Kyle made a lot of really good points there, especially with how Green Bay was definitely able to establish their run game. Uh, And yeah, I did kind of know is I because I do think uh, Adams matched up pretty well against Ramsey for the most part. I saw like he was able to kind of sneak away from him for like quite a few times. Um, But like I really had no reservations for the Packers. I thought they were able to kind of be able to kind of handle this pretty easily and they still like surprised me like it kind of looked routine for them uh I don't know if that was just me and like the game I saw but you know Green Bay just kind of handled them quite easily and then didn't really seem too challenging and that was the number one defense but I think 
a lot of it has to do with you know Donald missing a significant part of the game. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, the the snap count percentage, I saw I saw where the stat I saw the stat. He's generally floating around like the 84, 85% of defensive uh, snaps taken for the Rams and uh, I saw this I saw this stat somewhere and it was somewhere around uh, it was somewhere around like 55%, I believe, from what I remember, uh, that he had in this last game. So obviously that manifested itself in the way that the Packers were able to get the job done. And yeah, like, I, like, uh, like you said, Kyle, I really like seeing uh, more than Devontae Adams touching the ball for the, uh, uh, in the past game. Uh, Alan Lazard had a couple big plays. He torched the Rams. And uh, I mean, on the other hand, like you had Robert Tongan. I know he only had, uh, he only reeled the ball in four times, but even just seeing like the target, the targets be more spread out uh, when Devonte Adams has been dominating that so much for the Packers this year. That's exactly what you want to see heading into this NFC championship game. And uh, I'm not going to spoil too much, but I'm feeling pretty good about this Packers team. So yeah, no, overall it felt like, I don't know. It, it was also just like Jared Goff, actually played like I, I actually didn't think he played like a horrible game given the circumstances and okay actually one random question so I was I, I was watching that game and my brother and I were just sitting there I'm just like man like and Jared Goff threw a screen pass uh and like a traditional out to a wide receiver you get the ball pivot right there you got your wide receiver out wide but why do I feel like those never work? I feel like every time I watch, it's like a loss of three yards. Am I the only person is, uh, who, who feels this way? Yeah, you know, I think when you, you think about the, the wide receiver screen, the idea of the play is to get the ball to a, to a player with skill and space, right? That's kind of the idea. Similar to like, uh, if you've ever played Madden, the real run, only reason you would ever run a, wide, a running back pitch play right, is to get a player in space. I mean, there's a reason they don't really do pitch plays in the NFL. They don't really work um, moving the offensive line over to the side like that. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of – I think we have selective memory when it comes to screen passes. I know being a fan of the Seahawks, Seattle fans certainly have – well, I mean, we we had a tough moment with the screen pass two weeks ago, of course. But additionally, Seattle fans will always talk about how poor screen passes – uh, have killed this football team. So I think it's a bit selective. I do think they work sometimes. I think the biggest issue in the NFL is there is so much speed and skill on the outside, on the defensive side as well. And it's just difficult to get guys open, right? It often involves a bit of a pick play by another wide receiver, which is called more tighter than it ever has been. So, yeah, I think I, I don't, I don't tend to disagree with you, Tyler. In the NFL, the, the wide receiver screen doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to work all that well. Yeah, and I'm again like we both say like uh, I'm not an X's and O's guy. Uh, I watch I watch the game, I see certain things, but if I like anyone who listens to this podcast knows uh, I'm not a deep dive football guy. Uh, but I, I watch a lot of games, and you know it's good fun and stuff, and love talking about it. Um, and I feel like I can formulate some decent opinions, but the screen pass thing I just don't really get. Um, I mean, maybe, again, you have, like, a Stefan Diggs uh, guy who's 
pretty agile and able to get free from pretty pretty good once he's got the ball in his hands. Uh, I get it, but uh, I, I think it was like Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, and no, not trying to discredit those two, uh, but I feel like the uh, play call there just fails them already. Yeah, the, the only one other thing I would say about a, a wide receiver screen is, is often screen plays are seen as a way of backing off a pass rush. So if you're struggling with it, if you're struggling uh, to deal with a pass rush, or if a team's starting to feel um, the, the ability to blitz kind of on blitz as much as they want, because uh, they don't whether they don't uh, trust your offensive line or they don't trust you to be able to push the ball down the field, sometimes that can act as a way to get the ball out quickly and start to back that pass rush off uh, and force teams to play more man and play tighter to the line of scrimmage with their corners. So that's one of the benefits of it. Um, I'm not really sure if that was overly needed in that game as far as the, the game script in that scenario, but another reason for the, for the wide receiver screen. Yeah. Um, another important note, Jared Goff sacked four times. Uh, Aaron Rodgers sacked goose egg. Zero times. Zero times. So uh, yeah, that, that also right there just emphasizes the Aaron Donald, um, the whole Aaron Donald thing. Um, after the game, the status of the actual injury he had came out and it was like torn rib cartilage. And I'm seeing like comments and you know how like NFL players, I feel like NFL players love commenting on these things of like these (laughs) other guys. And Melvin Gordon is like, that's the most painful injury I've ever had. (laughs) And he's like, this guy is like an animal for play. So uh, mad props, Aaron Donald. uh, I don't know if he would take home the MVP after that uh, as a Nickelodeon valuable player or whatever it is. But uh, that's my new favorite award, man. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll leave, we'll leave that honor with Mitch, but uh, he definitely deserves uh, some endurance award or whatever they uh, give out after the game in the Rams locker room. So anyways, a um, couple quick notes as well on the game. Uh, the, Packers closing line, they were favored by seven. They end up winning 32-18. I thought they were going to cover, uh, as in the Rams. Uh, that did not happen. But, uh, hey, this Rams team does have a fair amount uh, to look forward to next year. Another quick question about the Rams, actually. Uh, moving forward, is do you think Jared Goff is the guy? I think in the short term, he, he's going to be, I don't think they really have any other plans at quarterback. I, I know McVay said after the game, he was asked about it. And uh, the question was posed to him, is Jared Goff your quarterback? And his response was Jared Goff is our quarterback as of now. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's the kind of thing, if you're Jared Goff that you hear and it, it makes you feel overly confident, but I think the job is Jared Goff's to, to lose. I mean, LA doesn't really have a whole lot of draft capital. Um, they've got a lot of expensive players under contract and golf is one of them. So I think, you know, side note as well would be, were they just a little bit quick to give golf the massive contract? I mean, I think most people were a little bit curious about that when they did it. I know he did take them to a super bowl and I mean, he was very, very good in that one season, but I find it kind of curious that they were, they were so quick to give him the contract. And it definitely, uh, definitely has to uh, factor into the decision decision they make right now uh, with Jared Goff moving forward yeah I agree and this is also a guy who basically well we'll say almost lost it seemed like he had almost lost uh his job at the end there hearing the McVeigh uh press conferences 
uh, even just leading up to the Seahawks game, I believe it was, talking about how like, oh yeah, like we think Wolford, John Wolford's given us the best, uh, best shot at winning this game. And uh, I mean, obviously we know how that ended for John Wolford, unfortunately, but Jared Goff came in and got him a win. And you know what? Uh, I would say there are definitely some other factors going into that loss. And I think that Packers defense is also quite underrated. Uh, obviously on the run side of things, they struggled this season, at least statistically. But uh, I don't know, like they, they also have such a high powered offense that when these teams are putting up points against them, they can just come right back at them with the uh, whole Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers thing that's going on there. So anyways, let's get on to Ravens Bills. And this was a very strange game. We'll call it a wind game because that's what it was. It was a wind game. And uh, yeah, we'll open up the conversation there. And we'll start with you, Luke. How'd you feel about it? Yeah, well, Tyler, like you were wrong about the last game. I was certainly wrong about this one. Uh, the the Ravens just, I don't know. I don't really know what, what happened, but they just didn't show up. And I know Jackson kind of got hurt uh, towards the end of the game. And then, I mean, I thought Buffalo was just Buffalo. Uh, they were able to kind of press through its team. Like it was kind of an ugly game. Um but yet we saw kind of Allen and that Diggs combo really working well. Diggs had just over a hundred yards and a touchdown. Like uh, that was, I mean, that Buffalo is just going to be Buffalo, I suppose. And, you know, my, not like my opinion has changed on them whatsoever, but I think it's just funny that I've kind of gone against them, I think, because I know that they've been super legit. And I think one of the favorites, and I think even going into this, championship game I think they could truly give Kansas City a run for their money even with or without Mahomes yeah I think I think on this game I I don't know yeah it was it was certainly extremely windy and especially for the second quarter and parts of the third um, it would basically almost seemed unplayable at times as far as throwing the ball down the field the amount of balls that were getting kind of blown around in the air the missed field goals uh, if there's one sort of just concern when you look and you think back on this game from a Buffalo perspective, they only they, they, they scored on offense. They scored one touchdown and they scored one field goal because um, they had the interception return for the touchdown. The field goal, they started on the Baltimore 38. That drive started on the Baltimore 38. So they only went, I think, like 15, 20 yards before they kicked that field goal. Uh, and then they did have the one touchdown drive right out of the half. Uh, they got the ball first and went down the field and scored. So I would have liked to see a little more from the offense. Yeah, like Luke mentioned, um, Allen did get the ball over to, to Diggs a lot. I think he had 10 receptions, 100 yards. And um, John Brown was also heavily involved uh, in the passing game. But just a little bit concerned by what I saw on the offensive side of the ball. But the wind was certainly a factor. Uh, defensively, they were really good. They stuffed the run. Uh, but the run will be the least of their worries uh, next week against Patrick Holmes and the, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I think it is really safe to say that this isn't a, a week that mounts a lot of confidence for uh, any, any NFL fan who might be hoping that we could have uh, a, a really good AFC championship game. I'm still not giving up on the Bills, and I don't think many people are, but uh, this isn't a game that uh, you I, – I, I don't put too much stock in this game 
mostly because of the the weather factors and uh i don't i don't expect anything outrageous to ha- be happening at uh, arrowhead this upcoming weekend to clarify uh stefan diggs uh had eight receptions for 106 yards he had a td as well and john brown yeah he had eight receptions uh for 62 yards so Nice to see uh, at least a glimmer of the passing game go well. It was it was definitely I, I would say it was probably the hardest game to watch this weekend, just mostly because of the weather factors. Both uh, both kickers go one for three on uh, field goal attempts. So uh, yeah, obviously wind plays a, a massive factor there. Tyler Bass and Justin Tucker, two guys who were uh, really solid throughout this season, actually uh, on the kicking end of things. Uh, I believe two actually probably two of the top five completion uh, conversion kickers from what I, I don't really check kicker stats too often, but uh, Tyler Bass and Justin Tucker uh, are, were both up there for sure. So yeah, it, it was, it was a, it was a pretty ugly game. And I, one thing I do like, I feel like the bills actually put pretty good pressure on Lamar um, maybe forcing him into some more sticky situations and I think they, they did as much as they could to stop the run. So I think that was more of a game script thing. I think that'll definitely be changing this upcoming weekend in Kansas City. So, yeah, it, it, overall, uh, I mean, it's, it's great to see the Bills. And uh, I can't believe that there was actually a glimmer where we we're going to see Bills-Browns uh, in the AFC Championship. That would have been awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I was still shocked about that Bills line at uh, only being favored two and a half heading into this game. I know, Kyle, you and I were really hesitant uh, about the odds making on that line. We, uh, I had a lot of buddies, too, who were quite, quite confused. But uh, I, I do think forecast was taken into account because it was supposed to snow. So, yeah, no, all in all, I'm... Um, I'm not surprised the Bills won this game, but yeah, I, I, I feel like weather permitting, it could have been a far more exciting game and possibly even a different, inco- uh, different outcome. So yeah, um, should we get moving on to the, next, the first Sunday game? That is the uh, Browns-Chiefs game. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll kick us off here. So Kansas City heads in favored by a... Uh, it seems like Kansas City is in control the entire time. Uh, Baker starts slinging the ball at, at, at some point. And I remember, uh, I think I actually texted you, Kyle. It might even mean you personally, because I like to text you when these kind of things happen. But the, who, who was it again? Who, was it Higgins? Who, the, the touchback in the end zone? Yeah. I yeah, think that's what. I think that's when I texted you saying that's it right there. And uh, I think if Mahomes played the entire game, we probably would have had, uh, if Pat Mahomes played the whole game, we would have had a, uh, a bit of a different scoreline, but Chad Henney comes in and uh, pulls off uh, one of the gutsiest fourth down uh, for fourth down plays we've seen in a while. And, consensus we love it so Kyle we're gonna go to you first and uh tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that game yeah you know like you said it it was very much a tale of two games in a way uh the game that existed before Mahomes got injured uh, and the game that existed after 
Um, yeah, I definitely, well, I still think you can look back and say that play was really such a pivotal moment in the game. Um, uh, Higgins fumbling it for the touchback. I mean, I've never really been that bothered by that rule. I, I, I like how people come out of the woodwork, woodwork and call it the worst rule in all of sports. Whenever this happened, this happens once a year. It is what it is. I can understand that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense relative to the other rules of fumbling, but it is the rule. Um, so they're up 19 to three at that point. Baker throws just, just in a, a terrible interception to start the second half. And that's when you really felt like, okay, the game, the game is over. Now, keeping in mind that the game is a nine point game when Mahomes gets hurt. Right. So I think you do have to keep that in mind that they weren't like, it's not like they were still down 16 when Mahomes got injured. Uh, Mahomes goes out. They have that quick um, score uh, to make it 22 to 17 uh, Cleveland. And then, and then it really felt like the game, the game was, was up for grabs. I, I thought the Browns really missed their opportunity when they got the ball back. Um, following the interception. Uh, I really thought that drive was probably going to be their best shot just based on the time and, and the timeout management. I really thought it was poor clock management by Stefanski. Um, he burnt a timeout on a challenge that I, I like to think about. Uh, I like to think about challenges in three buckets. There, there's bucket number one. That's called the Pete Carroll challenge. Okay. Pete Carroll challenges stuff that you know is wrong before you even see a replay. Now, I think the reason Pete does that a lot of times is a reward system for his defense, right? If the defense made a really good play and he thinks there's an opportunity, he'll challenge it as a reward system for his defense or because he's already thinking about burning the timeout anyways. But yeah, that's category one. Category two is one replayers. Oh, I'm not really sure. I watch one replay and I know for certain what the result's going to be. And I go and I go get a drink and wait for the ref to come out of the tent. And then you have the final category, which is, oh, it's really, really close. Or, and then um, if it's obvious in the other direction, right? This was a one replayer. And you saw the replay one time of that catch and you knew, okay, it's, it's good. So to burn a timeout on a challenge like that, that I felt like, why was there not a guy upstairs who saw that one replay and was like, okay, no, 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 don't challenge this, don't challenge this. I mean, I expect that they have a guy doing that. I, I know that they do. That was disappointing to me. And then also on that poor drive in the fourth quarter, Baker burned a timeout because they couldn't get up to the line of scrimmage. They wasted an entire play clock. So at that point, you only have one timeout left. It felt like absolutely do or die, and they just didn't deliver, uh, and they didn't end up getting the ball back. So, yeah, I'll pass it off to Luke. But uh, a very good game, a game that I didn't expect we were going to get. Um, so it was nice to actually get an exciting game uh, in that Sunday early game. Well, actually, sorry, I do actually want to ask one question. A lot of the quarrel with the Higgins uh, touchback situation was actually the the helmet to helmet hit. You can see in right. slow mo. What do you think? Like, what do you think about that whole thing? Because they don't review these helmet to helmet hits. Uh, I don't think they're allowed to. No, so, we re- we reviewed penalties for one season, and it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. That's right. When I they made that. when we decide coming off of the. Well, I would actually happen in the NFC title game two years ago um, when uh, the Saints were playing the Rams um, and there was an incredibly egregious pass interference um, that went uncalled that ended up costing the Saints the game. And they made a decision, oh, we're going to challenge pass interference. They, they've challenged pass interference actually for, for quite a few years in the CFL um, and it, with mixed results. It was brutal in the NFL. You could never overturn anything. Uh, so challenging penalties to me 
it's a slippery slope and you'll never finish any of the games. It, was it helmet to helmet contact? Absolutely. It was, I mean, it, it clearly was, but we've also seen many times where the flag's been, where there's been a flag thrown um, when the guy hits him hard on the shoulder pad and it cracks loud, just like the helmet and it shouldn't have been called. Now, unfortunately they can pick those up. They often pick those flags up after a discussion, but I think it's a part of the game. It's played at a high speed. Mistakes are made. Um, I mean, yeah. Is it, is it by the letter of the law? Should it have been a penalty? Yes. Unfortunately, those happen all over the field all, all the time. Yeah. I feel like you can't, I feel like a lot of people have gone out and reduced that game a lot to that call uh, or sorry, no call in that case. And uh, like you said, there were so many instances throughout the game that basically lost the Cleveland Browns that game. So yeah, and I, I mean, again, I, I just think you you can really open you well. Number one, if you started reviewing penalties, it's it's the ultimate like Pandora's box. You, you just I don't know where you stop. And then number two, there are just so many moments on both sides of it, of the game in every game where the referee makes a mistake, a call that could go either way. You really just don't. It's so difficult of a game to referee that I think uh, I think really circling that and saying that missed penalty portion of it is an absolute game changer. I just have a hard time with that. Agreed. We'll throw it over to you, Luke. What'd you think? Yeah. Uh, I think cause we're on the subject of that. I think cause I was watching it with my dad and we were both like, Whoa, like is, there's like really no penalty. And then we just like kind of learned at the same time. Oh, that's non-reviewable. Like that. I, we both kind of felt that was a bit weird. And I think for me, just because I think the, the NFL wants to, I know there's been like this revolution of like player safety and wanting with the new helmets and the new equipment and everything. And so I feel like when something like a head, a helmet to helmet is not reviewable, I see that as a little, like, I don't know. I'm like, I have my concerns with it, but I think Kyle also brings up some really good points because I've only heard the one side of like, Oh, why? Like they should just make it reviewable and everything. But like, once you go into penalties, is it like going to be one thing or is it going to be everything? And so I can, I I can definitely see, I guess the question, the question becomes, what do you want to review? Right. Like you can look at hockey, right. Where, okay. We think it was head to head contact. There was a two minute penalty on the ice. That's the key thing, right? There has to be the penalty on the ice. Okay. Now we want to review it and see if, see if there needs to be additional discipline. They do that in college football. As long as a flag is thrown, uh, if, if the referee believes it could be cause for an ejection now, head to head contact is ejection in college football. And we saw that in the Ohio State national uh, championship game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we saw and yeah, we saw it in the national championship game the year before, and then in the semifinal game this year, where they threw the flag, then they choose to review it. The player ends up getting ejected. I mean, if the NFL wants to go down that road, they can go down that road. Um, I think it's pro. I I get the throwing a guy out for a single head-to-head contact. I think is a little bit aggressive in the NFL, uh, and I, I don't think that would be met with a whole lot of love if it were to happen to a high profile player in a high profile game. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And yeah, that was, it was just a crazy game. I thought it was a crazy ending, especially with that fourth down, you know, Andy Reed risking it for the biscuit, but uh, it was just a lot of fun to watch, man. Like shout out to the Cleveland Browns. I think this was like a field good team, a feel good team. Like this is like something you could kind of make a movie about in some kind of way. <laughs> I feel um but yeah 
and I think they're like they're quite young. I think Baker has a lot to learn from this season. And yeah, I think yeah, with the game clock management, I feel like there was a lack of experience. And I think that also kind of cost Cleveland the game because at the end of the day, they are the Browns. This has been their first playoff appearance in like 18 years or something like that. So uh, I think the experience was lacking, especially coming up against the previous champions. Yeah, I do agree. And uh, one thing we also did talk a little bit about over text this weekend was just how much we love that uh, play by Andy Reid. You're thinking they're just going to, go uh go for it i mean tony romo's on the game uh as in go for the uh the what is it called false uh yeah like they false, were delay a game count or whatever yeah, yeah they're just trying to get uh they're running clock down they're trying to get the uh the the browns to just go offside basically and all of a sudden uh there's the, the the ball gets snapped and everyone's like freaking out for a second. I remember watching, I'm just like leaning back, like just chilling. And all of a sudden you see it. It's like <laughs> in the, the minute the ball was snapped, we're all like, what's going on? And then they run this, they, they run such a simple football play. And uh, I said this this weekend, it's just, we tend to overcomplicate these simple plays so much once it's fourth down because fourth down is obviously the boogeyman and that game, imagine if that play goes wrong uh, there, like what uh, Andy Reed's job is in, in, in jeopardy after that. Right. So, um, but at the end of the day, you have Tyree kill, who's the fastest guy on the field, beelining it to the sideline. Like, Hey, why, why not go for it? Plus defense is totally on their heels. They're not expecting that after the first what 23 seconds, of uh of that clock running down there so uh if i'm going to be completely honest like i love that call so much uh it ends up going really well and yeah i feel like i feel like going for it on fourth i mean the stats speak for themselves i really think that's something that's got to be visited more and i think what andy just did is definitely uh uh, a move in the right direction for some uh, NFL coaches in that. So yeah, love it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's move on to the last Sunday game. Feels weird only going through four games after going through <laughs> the plethora that we had the, the last two weeks here. But uh, yeah, we got Bucks Saints. And I think we all expected this to be the most exciting game of the weekend. I feel like that was pretty uh, pretty common, uh, a pretty common feeling is either that or uh, Ravens Bills. And I would say it was a good game. We had a Jameis Winston moment, which uh, I'll get to when it's my turn to speak, but uh, we'll throw it over to you, Luke. What did you think? Yeah, I've, I don't know. I think like the two or three, four, maybe times that Tampa Bay's defense has showed up. Dude, Tampa Bay has been scary, I think, when they're able to kind of get it going on both sides of the football. Uh, and I thought that was exactly it uh, in this game. I thought, you know, their defense showed up. And I think that's kind of the one of the biggest X factors across all the teams is whether or not Tampa Bay's defense kind of shows up to play because I feel like it's been quite inconsistent uh, throughout the season. Uh, Brady played super well, but then, you know, when – his team's defense uh, isn't, you know, is playing well, then that means the other quarterback didn't really perform up to his game. And that was definitely Drew Brees' night. 
Um, I'm just looking at his stats, 19 completions on 34 attempts for 134 yards passing, like yikes. And three interceptions on top of that. I thought, you know, Breeze really struggled, but I think he struggled because of that, of that defense. So it was a really fun game to watch. And it was a lot of fun seeing Brady cook once again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. We were, at least I was certainly not pro Tampa uh, coming into this game. I really liked um, New Orleans. And I mean, I think forgotten in this is the fact, you know, in, in the second half, beginning of the second half, New Orleans is driving the football down the field with a chance to go up two scores. And really for the first two quarters and certainly that first part of the third, it felt like the Saints were in control of this football game. Um, and then we saw what's probably the saddest last one and a half quarters of somebody's career that I can remember in my time for, for a legend, one of the greatest to ever do it. A first ballot hall of famer in Drew Brees guy fell off a cliff in the second half of this game. It all started with the Jared cook fumble on that first drive out of the half. Uh, and they were just not the same. So, you know, I feel like, I feel like one of the, you know, I feel like one of these people that like doesn't think Tesla's a good stock. You know what I mean? We're like, that's, that's me with Tampa. Like I, I'm, I'm against Tampa's, as a stock, as a team, they keep on winning, but I keep looking at it being like, there's so many reasons why this is really seems really fluky and is going to end really badly. And to be honest, well, while I do feel Brady played very well uh, in this game, I did like what I saw from Brady at times, at times uh, I look at this and I think, man, I really felt like new Orleans lost this game more than Tampa won it. Yeah, I really do agree. And it does suck seeing Drew Brees ride out uh, this way uh especially t- putting in putting it into even broader context like how i'm i'm thinking vikings uh what is this 4 years ago now uh rams back to the vikings and now here we are dropping the ball to Tampa Bay and it just sucks uh seeing seeing the the saints coming into these games favored and I mean, yeah, like Kyle, like you and I said, this whole season, we're expecting Tampa Bay to turn this corner. And uh, all my friends are making me look like idiots now because they're all like, hey, like this is the perfect game to turn the corner against this good Saints team. And uh, it turns out they just didn't, they couldn't make anything work. And I mean, Michael Thomas, uh, zero receptions. I don't, he, he was targeted a couple times, I believe, but, uh, the, the box just, they didn't, they didn't give Breeze anything. And, uh, I, it's not, it's not even a matter for me as much like, it's not even a matter of Michael Thomas not getting his job done. It was just Drew Breeze had a, a shocker. That's the bottom line. And that's really what dictated this game. Uh, there is a world where Jameis Winston should have played <laughs> played yeah, well, the whole time after that game. I know, Jay, well, Winston threw, for, threw one pass in the game. He had 56 yards passing, and I think Breeze had 130 yards for the entire game. To, to speak to just a couple of other things in this game, I, I thought the one thing you can really say about Tampa is their defense is, has been really good and was really good in this game. And when I think about, you know, Devin White's probably, you know, the super defensive superstar that nobody knows about, you know, he had 10 tackles in this game. Um, and then I also think about uh, that secondary 
combined with the pass rush could be dangerous against this um, against this Green Bay team. We'll save that for when we get to that game. But I guess uh, one last point would be on that play, um, on that play when Winston threw the pass, I was really shocked that you didn't see Tampa take a timeout or something. Like, you knew that something was coming. I mean, when Jameis Winston's the backup quarterback for this team and he's lined up at wide receiver, you have to assume the ball is going or is going to be in his hands or he's going to be involved in some way. And it just kind of, it almost felt like they just kind of let that play happen to them, which, which surprised me. And I thought there was some, some, um, there was a lot of bad penalties again from Tampa, which is something I talked about last week. They still took a lot of penalties and if they're going to win two more games and, and uh, lift the Lombardi trophy, or even if they're going to get to the Super Bowl, that's going to have to be eliminated because you cannot rely on, uh, some of the greatest one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Drew Brees having a stinker of a second half. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're going to get that from Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately. No, not at all. And uh, another thing too, Aaron Rodgers, we know loves to take advantage of these poorly disciplined teams. So um, I, that, that is definitely going to be a part of the game plan for the Packers heading into this weekend. But yeah, uh, just my, my final word on this too is just, uh, what like what is next for New Orleans at the quarterback situation? Do you think they're going to be riding with Jameis next season? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's a tricky one, right? Because it seems like yeah, Jameis could be being groomed for the role. Now, I mean, Breeze missed four games of the regular season, um, of which Taysom Hill started all of those games. So. I don't know. Like, it's hard to imagine that they're going to roll into the season with Taysom Hill as the starting quarterback. I think there were some moments in his, uh, in his starts that made you think that's probably not a smart decision, but who knows if, if he hangs him up, who knows if Sean Payton's even there next year, maybe he decides that he's going to ride off into the sunset. He's been doing it for a long, long time. Maybe he decides he wants to walk away. I don't think that'll happen, but it's a possibility. So I think at this point, you got to think, you know, if we were, if we were handicapping it, I think I would put Winston as the favorite to be the starter of week one. Uh, and I think Taysom Hill would probably be second for me uh, and then the field from there. But uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what, what happens for uh, the saints. Actually, one thing I actually wanted to touch on, I know we're going back a bit. We'll get on to this upcoming weekend, but for the Browns, what do you think, uh, this is directed at you, both of you, Kyle and Luke. What do you think would be kind of the next piece that they look to start adding to their team if they want to make this a bit more of a usual thing? It seems like Baker Mayfield might actually just be like their guy at quarterback. So I feel like to a certain extent, it seems like they they might be settling in there. They arguably have the they have one of the most explosive running back tandems in the NFL. And um, I mean, at wide receiver, they have like a pretty, a, a, like a pretty solid, well-rounded group of guys. So yeah, I'm opening it up to you too. What do you think? Yeah, I think, oh uh, yeah. I think the tricky thing with the Browns uh, is there's, they have a lot of pieces that they've paid market premiums to get. Uh, if you look at their offensive line, there's some really expensive pieces on the offensive line um, that they've paid to go out and get in free agency. So that sort of limits your upside, right? <coughs> Excuse me. They're up pretty close to the, to kind of the cap limit. I mean, 
usually my attitude with, with the NFL is good, good drafting is kind of the key, right? That's to me, that's kind of the next step is continue to draft and develop really well and build around the guys you have. I think at this point, Baker's the guy to me, he's not an elite quarterback. I, I don't know if he's a quarterback you can win a Super Bowl with in all honesty, in my mind, but I think for them, you know, there isn't really a position. I would say you go out and chase better players or chase talent. I think you just kind of got what you got. And then you got to go out and draft and, and take care of business and draft and develop good talent. Cause that's how you win in the NFL. You don't win. Um, you don't win in the winter during free agency. You win. Um, you win by drafting uh, good talent in the off season. Yeah. I would uh, completely agree with Kyle because I don't know. I think Cleveland is really well-rounded. I mean, do I see Baker Mayfield winning a Super Bowl? No, but I still like him as a quarterback. I think he's sound enough and I think he fits the system, but also at the same time, I'm taking in experience as a thing that you also can kind of develop and you get more used used to big games, high pressure situations. And we saw that in, in this game, this was a perfect example with that final Mayfield drive where he didn't really do much. They gained, they got a couple first downs, and that was about it. It wasn't anything special. And I feel like with if they were able to take the lead after that touchdown, my opinion on Mayfield uh, probably could have changed a bit. And yeah, I think, you know, a lack of experience was a key to them losing. And yeah, I think if they're able to kind of develop that and, you know, live up to the pressure, uh, then I think they could go a bit further perhaps. I, I I do I do tend to agree. Yeah, just rounding out that roster more than anything through the draft is going to be the most important for them. Uh, for the record, I actually like the I, I like Jedrick Wills, uh, who they took um, in the in the first round this year. He actually had a pretty solid uh, pretty solid season for them on the O line there. So uh, good seeing some of those draft picks pan out for the Browns. Anyways, let's get on to the championship games let's start uh with the sunday morning game that's going to be happening at 1205 p.m at lambeau we got the green bay packers who are currently favored by three and a half against the tampa bay buccaneers so i'm pretty excited for this game and we don't really see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady match up. And I know this is uh, definitely, we're definitely past Tom's prime. Uh, if Tom has a prime, I feel like it's kind of just being a constant ooze of him going deep. But uh, yeah, I, we'll start with you, Kyle. How are you feeling for this game and who do you like? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think this is probably the, the game I am, I am less excited for, not to take anything away from it. Um, but I, for me in this game, it's going to come down to can Aaron Rodgers, uh, can the same thing that we asked last week, can they move the ball, um, down the field, especially to Devonte Adams for an entire game and can, can his offensive line give him the time to make the plays? I think that's, that's what it's going to come down to, uh, in this matchup. And I do think the Tampa Bay matches up kind of badly, um, for them for that, or sorry, um, the Tampa Bay is a, is a bad matchup for green Bay, I should say, sorry. So I do think that Tampa has some of the pieces to, to cause trouble. 
um, for Green Bay. I still like Green Bay to win this game, uh, and I've got them winning the game 30 to 24. Yeah, I I do I do tend to like the pack in this game too. I really like uh, like we said earlier. Uh, I really like what they showed us last week, and um, <laughs> I mean last time last time we said the uh, the Packers uh, the Packers seemed like they might have met a defense that could do something against them. Uh, it didn't pan out and that was the LA Rams. Obviously there are some other factors going into that, but yes, I do like the, the Packers a lot in this game. I don't know what, I, I, I don't really know what this is going to look like on Tampa Bay side because we've seen a lot of inconsistency, inconsistency throughout season from them. And I mean, if, but sorry, that's just me playing devil's advocate at the end of the day uh, on the Tampa side of things, this is still Tom Brady in a playoff game with again like i've said this entire season possibly the most uh talented group of wide receivers he's ever had in his career so uh there's definitely some potential for uh him to make some magic luke what are you thinking yeah so i'm just gonna come out with a disclaimer uh i think tom brady is the greatest quarterback of all time and I'm not going to be looking forward to these Green Bay Packer fans saying that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest thing since sliced bread because he beat Tom Brady once. And it's going to annoy me, but I'm going to stick by my opinion. So I'm just getting that disclaimer out of the way. At the end of the day, I do think Packers are going to win. I'm going to get off this Tampa Bay bandwagon. Because, uh, dude, Tampa Bay really impressed me against that Rams defense the fact that it was the number one defense and they kind of just rolled by it. Like it was kind of any Sunday afternoon that that really scares me, especially for an inconsistent defense. And I think one of the, for me, like one of the key things to winning any, any kind of sports championship is having consistency uh, on both sides of the, on both sides of the ball. And I really feel that Tampa Bay's defense is just a bit too inconsistent for me to, kind of take their side and anything and yes it's Tom Brady yes he has these insane wide receivers but I think for whatever Tampa Bay can put up on the board I think Green Bay can just as easily put the same amount of points on the board and so with that I'm gonna say Green Bay 27 Tampa Bay 20. And another thing to go along with that I'm not gonna play score gummy that my brain's gonna blow up uh so I'm just going to say, I think the, I think the Packers are going to cover, but uh, is it safe to say that this Packers team of all the teams that are left has been the most consistent performer throughout this entire time? We've had a lot of up and down weeks from the Chiefs. Now they've eked out games, but the Packers like it, that, that 13 and three that they have right now feels like a very legit 13 and three, uh, uh, at least throughout the regular season. And in the playoff game uh, that we've seen them play, they dismantled the LA Rams. And obviously Aaron Donald's uh, not being Aaron Donald in that game, not being able to get in for as many snaps as he usually would. And I think, I think that, I think that still speaks volumes to the team that, uh, the, the, the Packers team that we have here, like we really do know what they are to a certain extent. 
And I really, yeah, I really like them in this game. So yeah, I got Packers to cover. Uh, I also have a, a futures bet. I put down a way, way long time ago that I'm really hoping uh, hits. Do you guys want to hear what it is? I do. $20 down. Uh, and for the record, I am hedging. So I'm guaranteeing I'm making money this weekend. Uh, this was after the Packers got demoralized by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers earlier on the season. $20 down. Uh, odds were 15 to 1. So it was a uh, it was for the Packers and the Chiefs to uh, play in the Super Bowl uh, against each other to win win the NFC and the AFC. And uh, I mean, hey, both are favored right now, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. But uh, yeah, I I make I make 200 plus I go plus 280 dollars if uh, that hits. But I, I I'm gonna hedge it. Uh, with uh, Packers and Bills money lines uh, heading into this game. I want some guaranteed money. I'd rather rather not risk anything. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm hoping that hits. Could be a nice, big, juicy payday for me. I need it, too. <laughs> Anyways, uh, any other thoughts on uh, Bucks Packs or uh, Bucks Packs? Uh, Bucks versus the Cheese, well, cheese Heads. Hey, why not? Um, any other thoughts or should we move on to uh, Bill's Chiefs here? No, I think we're good to move on. Cool, cool. Um, Kansas City Chiefs going to be playing at Arrowhead. They are favored by three over the Buffalo Bills. We will go uh, to Luke first. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good line, actually. I was thinking somewhere in that range for my own uh, prediction, but I think – because as I was reading, it seemed that Patrick Mahomes was cleared for practice today, which I think uh, in NFL terms, he'll be good to go for Sunday, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you got Patrick Mahomes playing. Uh, I This Chiefs team is so frisky. Like Tyreek Hill, he's one of my favorite players to watch uh, in the NFL, and he's really – freaking good and just having those offensive weapons and plus their defense as well they're an incredibly well-rounded team and it's easy to say why they're here they deserve it they're i think they're they're the best team in football still even though they may have had to eke out a couple of games not every game not everyone is going to be uh, a pretty one where you beat everybody by you know two scores or something like that uh, but also huge respect to the buffalo bills because this team is easily like, you know, one of the best teams in the league. They've they're, they've been legit for for quite a bit this season, I think. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be a really good game otherwise. And, you know, I I wouldn't really be surprised if Buffalo kind of pulled out, pulled out the win here. Uh, but, yeah, I think with all that being said, Chiefs 32, Buffalo 29. Yeah, I, I think you, you broke it down broke it down really well. Um, and I look at this game, interesting, Kansas, third time in a row Kansas City will host the uh, AFC Championship game, which is pretty darn impressive. Uh, no matter what happens here moving forward, uh, that's that's something you look back on. And um, I don't there has that I can't imagine that's happened very many times in the modern era. So and in the in the hard cap NFL era of incredible parody, uh, it's pretty darn impressive. So. Uh, start off with that. Mahomes is going to play. 
Uh, I mean, when they start coming out on Monday and saying, oh, he didn't really ever hit his head. It was a pinched nerve. This is why the NFL was a great league, okay? A pinched nerve? Okay, Wh- whatever that means. That, that's just called we know he's going to play. He, there's no way he's not playing in this game, healthy or not. I hope he is 100% healthy because I would never want somebody to play injured. But, or, well, playing injured is one thing. Playing with a head injury, I should say, another but there was no way he was ever. I mean, Vegas being willing to put a lineup on this game Sunday night made me think they felt pretty safe that there was there was no doubt he was going to play. Which I was actually oh, pretty surprised with for the record. I was as well. I was very surprised as well. And it made me think that there was basically no fear he wouldn't play in the game. because, Or they thought they had a way around it that they could just cancel the bets. Because to hang a line like that, and if Chad Henney had to go out there, oh boy. There's no way the Bills would be an underdog. They'd probably be a four. They'd probably be a five and a half point favorite is what I would kind of handicap it at. Maybe even six. Um, so yeah, looking at the game, I actually think the Bills are going to win. Personally, I, I think while I was a little concerned about what I saw from the offense of the Bills last week at times, the defense really proved it to me. I thought their defense was fantastic. They've been good against the run and they're good against the pass. And uh, I. I think they're going to, I think Mahomes obviously going to throw the ball a ton. That's, that's the way he put, that's the way that um, that's their game in Kansas city. But I think this Buffalo team is built, is built to give them a run for their money. I think it's the team that's built the best at this point to probably give them a run for their money. So I like the bills in this game. It is going to come down to Josh Allen. I don't know if he needs to outplay Patrick Mahomes to win this game, but he certainly needs to play probably, he probably needs to play one of the best games of his life. And certainly the best game of his playoff life. And I think he's going to do it. So I'll take the Bills 30 to 27 to win this game. Wow. Love the take. I'm going to take it in a different direction here. Uh, I do love the whole Bills thing. Uh, and yeah, like, like you said, Kyle, like a lot of this hinges on Josh Allen possibly playing the greatest game of football that he's ever played in his life. And uh, I'm not saying he can't do that, but uh, and I'm not saying that he's not a guy who's proven, who hasn't proven that he can rise to the occasion. I mean, he's, he's done that in the last two weeks. He's gotten wins. And yeah, I do, I do like this Bills, this Bills defense. And like you said, I do actually think this is, of all the teams in the AFC, uh, the Bills, in my opinion, are built, B-I-L-L-T, uh, best, to, best to, to beat Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, that being said, I just can't bet uh, against Pat. I like, I don't know what it is. For me, he's. It's just like I'm. I'm I've watched the most talented quarterback with my my own my two own eyes here, and I'm just sitting here every time, blown away by Pat Mahomes. Obviously, it takes him off weeks, but uh, at least in the playoffs last year. He proved to us that he's the best quarterback in the NFL uh, this season. I mean, I thought he looked just fine in that Browns game before he was injured. Uh, his head smacked the turf. I'm, I'm pretty convinced he has a concussion and he's probably just playing through it because uh, there's no way the league lets Pat Mahomes not play this game. Uh, if, he, if he had a Dak Prescott-esque injury, I – I wouldn't be surprised seeing Pat Mahomes in a walking boot uh, come come this Sunday. <laughs> so, on sorry to cut you off, Tyler. No. So Colin Cowherd argued on his show this week that if Mahomes couldn't play Sunday, they should postpone the game so that Mahomes can play. 
I'll just leave that out there. Yeah, that was, like, that was Colin Coward's take. Yeah, like I and I, if I'm gonna be completely honest, like I, I wouldn't be that surprised if that's something that the NFL probably discussed if that scenario came to fruition. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna point any fingers and say it's legit, but uh, hey, some of these conspiracies might, they might just be, they might just be real. So. I do think he is the most valuable player in the league, but like from a, from a league point of profit, view. So not, not as much an MVP award, but just, yeah. just the league in general. I think it for a guy, like I don't really know if there is a player in our lifetimes that I would think about as having been as big of a part of the league's brand as, as Patrick Mahomes. I mean, maybe, um, maybe Tom Brady, like. May, maybe, yeah. No, I, I feel mean, like, when, I feel like no one's captivated the league like Pat Mahomes has and like Pat, Pat Mahomes also like, I, it feels like there aren't that many o- people out there who hate him. Whereas Tom Brady, Oh certainly. my goodness. Yeah. Certainly. Garner and hatred you, everywhere. Certainly. And if you even look back to entering the NFL season with the discussion of, you know, what would, you know, what would the anthems look like? Um, I know that it, it's pretty widely reported that like when Mahomes, you know, back was saying, Hey, I'm in a back, my teammates as far as what they want to do as far as protests or anything like that the league really took a the league really perked up when Mahomes got involved and wanted to make sure it was taking care of the brand so just from a branding point of view Mahomes is is a superstar to them and a huge part is really attached to the hip of the brand um that maybe it wasn't that crazy of a take from Colin when I heard it I laughed out loud I thought it was ridiculous yeah like it's like one of those things that's hilarious and when you first hear it you're like oh there's no way and then you're thinking about it you're like Wait a second. Wait a second. If there's one league <laughs> that does this, I mean, hey, when Chris Paul got hurt, we all knew. <laughs> love it or love it or hate it. Steph Curry, the the NBA will do anything they can to get Steph Curry to the to the NBA finals that season, right? So um, I'm not saying they planted something in uh, Chris Paul's hamstring to uh, strain it or whatever. I, I believe it was a strained hamstring, but uh, Hey, I don't, I, the, these league conspiracies, I always think they're hilarious. And I actually was thinking about one the other day that I was going to talk about on this podcast and I'm kicking myself because I thought it was really funny. Maybe I would just think it's really funny, but uh, I'm, I'm really upset that I completely forgot about it. But anyways, back to chiefs bills, <laughs> no more conspiracy talk, but Yes, I do. I do. Uh, I do like the Chiefs in this. For me, a lot of it also hinges on uh, the health aspect uh, for Pat Mahomes, and um, yeah, like we'll see what happens with that. But this is going to be a close game. Uh, anyone who doesn't, I, I, I don't, I don't see a world where this is like a blowout in the Chiefs' favor. Like I really do think this Bills team is going to prove to us whether they win or lose that. Like they're legit, and next year, who knows? They could be winning the AFC. So, uh, yeah, I think this Bills team has a lot to be excited about. It's awesome for Bills Mafia to um, to be, you know, like this is just an awesome little scenario they found themselves in. They they finally have a winning team, and uh, hey, if uh, if they had gotten the Browns like they almost did, man. That would have been uh, an amazing feat for uh, for for bad football teams, or should we say, organizations 
to, you know, have a little shot at, uh, at a Super Bowl. So, yeah. Anyways, I guess it's going to wrap up our uh, little preview here. Yeah, I mean, we still got to talk about Deshaun Watson. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm going to say here. Oh, uh, oh I sorry, I thought you were going to skip it. No, 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 no way. I, I I've been a, I've been itching for this. I I've had a lot of conversations uh, in the last couple of days here. Um, reports are out. It looks like Deshaun Watson is out of Houston. Um, first things first things first. Uh, let's just talk about that Houston situation as a whole. It really feels like the Hopkins departure uh, and just, I mean, obviously besides the results that the Texans actually had this season, uh, I feel like the Hopkins departure was almost uh, a little bit of a precursor for what was to come for the Texans this year. We all knew that uh, that trade did not look very good on their end of things. Uh, Arizona runs away with, DeAndre Hopkins, who, for the record, it didn't seem like he was too keen on staying in Houston as he had to negotiate a contract extension. So, uh, obviously, you never know uh, what's actually going on in these, uh, in these negotiations and who is uh, strong-arming who in these and who's got the leverage. But Deshaun Watson leaving uh, your franchise quarterback, if you're a Houston Texans fan, I'm scared. This is, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll leave it there for now. I want to, I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on, on, on this. So we'll start with you, Luke. What do you think about the whole Deshaun Watson thing going on? Right? Yeah. Uh, I have a bit to say on it. So yeah, first of all, I thought there was red flags immediately being thrown up when Hopkins got traded and was it O'Brien was O'Brien their past GM? Yeah, yeah, okay. That was GM that was, and coach. Yes. Okay, right. Dynamic okay. duo. A night a nightmarish combo. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's a red flag in its own in sports when you're both the GM and the coach, in my opinion. But yeah, unless you're uh, LeBron James, then you can basically <laughs> Jackie Moon yourself. So true. So true. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a really big red flag because I'm like, isn't Hopkins is like one of the best receivers in the game? And you got like a couple draft picks from like what's going on here. And then these reports now coming out with, you know, Watson wanting out and also JJ Watt wanting to leave as well. And I'm like, JJ is like one of the nicest people in the NFL. And when he wants to leave, yikes. Like, I think that's like a huge red flag when your most loyal guy is wanting to leave, then there's something seriously wrong. Uh, but at the, either way, I think Watson is just like an incredible quarterback, of course, and, you know, a generational talent. And if I was kind of any, pretty much any owner uh, in the NFL, I'm going all out to get Watson. I think he's that good. And I think there are teams that have a really solid chance of getting him. I, th- I don't know if I'm going to, I'll just say my, the, I think the favorite to kind of win the Watson sweepstakes is Miami. Because whether or not you're going to ship off Tua or Fitzmagic, you still also have that a lot of draft capital in that. And you can really help your case in getting Watson. And plus, I think Deshaun Watson would look incredible in a Miami uniform. Yeah, I mean, Miami, Miami has Houston's first rounder this year already. 
So ideally, in a in some kind of trade, they could they could move Houston could get their first rounder back. Um, yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, talking about the the Hopkins thing, I mean, they, I don't think they thought they could come to an agreement on a contract with Hopkins, so they traded him. Uh, did they get? Did they maybe not get enough in return? Yeah, probably. I mean, if you look back when Odell got traded. You know, they got a first, there was a first rounder. New York got a first rounder back and they got a, and they got, um, uh, and they got some pieces, some players as well. So to, to be able to beat, to not be able to beat the Odell deal was, was kind of surprising at the time, but I understood why they wanted to trade him. Um, just feeling they couldn't come to, to an agreement on a contract, but they have looked pretty silly for, for doing that with the season that Hopkins had uh, in Arizona. As far as Watson, the, the, the idea of like who has the leverage here is an interesting question because I think the NBA mind in all people in us thinks the player has a lot of leverage, but, the, but this isn't the NBA. So I don't really know if Watson can really call his shot the way he's behaving or the way LeBron James is telling him he can uh, on Twitter uh, or the way that the media is really hyping this up. I mean, I do think the media has grabbed onto this in, a, in an unfair way, in an unrealistic way. I think especially the NFL media is looking at a very long offseason with very little, um, little stuff to cover because, you know, the con- there's going to be no draft combine, it sounds like. Um, you know, we'll probably have a virtual draft the way we're headed. So I think the media is really hyping this up a little more than it is. Um, I just don't really think Watson can force a move unless the move is perfect um, for Houston. And, and I mean, if I think about a trade to Miami and there are a couple other teams that could maybe do it, but Miami makes sense because you could probably take Tua back and just bet, bet that Tua is good. Um, and if he's good, you can win this trade. Right. But I think you would want multiple first round picks. I think you'd probably need three first rounders in Tua for me to pull the deal on, pull the trigger on the deal right now. And if Watson doesn't want to play, he can sit out and not get paid. Important note, too, they, they changed in the collective bargaining agreement that the players have with the teams. Um, you can't be refunded the fines for sitting out anymore. So if you think about a lot of the times when guys would sit out into training camp and into the regular season, there was often a handshake agreement between the team and the player that the team would return all the fine money the player had paid in order to do his holdout. That is now against the rules. That can't be done. So you're talking about massive financial penalties to hold out and to possibly burn burn years of your career, burn a year of your career. Who knows what this could look like um, in order to try and force this trade. So if, if, I was, uh, if I had to lay money, I think you'll be the Texans starting quarterback week one. That would be my guess right now, which I know is, is not fun and exciting, but that's the way I see it working out. Yeah, I, for me, he's bound to leave eventually. It's just really a, a matter of timing at this point. I've uh, I've created a list of ten teams uh, on a on a nice little sticky note here. We're gonna go through a couple of these. Uh, I mean, we've kind of hashed out the Dolphins thing. That's I feel like that's number one. I feel like that's like a very obvious answer right off the bat. They have a quite quite a well built roster. Uh, good coaching. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I would love to go play for the Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores right now. Uh, that looks, if if they add a Deshaun Watson piece and they don't give up too much of their current roster, that's the kind of team that for me looks like they could actually 
maybe even uh, contend for a Super Bowl um, in the coming years. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold off on the Dolphins stuff for a second. Uh, some other teams I've heard in the mix. I had a little bit of a chuckle with this one. Uh, the New York Jets. <laughs> like, I don't know. It makes sense just from the, the fact that they have the second pick. So if, if Houston were to really like Fields, for example, uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State, the argument could be made, well, we can flip him. And then we can go draft a quarterback that's got five-year rookie deal um, to kind of reset our clock on the on the quarterback front. So, I, to me, the Jets are the number two team to consider doing something. But I, apparently, he doesn't want to go to New York. Um, I, I think the rumor out there is that some of it is the tax side, right? Keeping in mind, he plays in Houston right now, which is zero percent state tax on that money. So going you know, suddenly now going and living in New York at a much higher tax rate, the salary would be millions of dollars less. And apparently that's a, a contributing factor to his push for the Miami Dolphins. Or you could go to Florida and uh, do the same thing. Yes, and, yeah. and that's one of the reasons that he wants to go to Miami, apparently. Oh, interesting. I, I, actually, I actually didn't know that he – I mean, like, I always, I always notice, like, like free agency-wise – uh, these teams in tax-free states have such have so much leverage, and, uh, and you see that manifest itself a lot in the NHL, and that's why the Tampa Bay Lightning have been able to build such a strong organization for themselves there. Um, I got a couple. Well, I got a lot more teams written down. We'll 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 just breeze through these and see if there's like any any shot at uh, this. So. Uh, I kind of, I kind of just went through all the NFL teams, looking at teams that might need a quarterback. And uh, I know, I know there have been probably tons of lists released. Um, the New England Patriots. What do we think about that? Belichick loves drafting. I don't see him going to the Patriots. To be honest, Belichick loves a good draft pick, and I think he'll want to keep that. But I mean, it is the Patriots. They have the history. They have the tradition of, of winning. And that might appeal to, to Watson, even though, as Kyle said, he might not have much power. But who knows with the Patriots? Yeah, I think the, the Pats are an interesting one. Um, I guess the question becomes, um, does it really fit? I guess, does it really fit what they want to do as a group? You know, is this a decision you want to make right now? How many years does Belichick have left kind of being the coach and kind of running and calling the shots there? Um, I mean, I think Watson makes sense in the short term and the long term, but you never really know what what Belichick could be thinking. Um, so, yeah, I certainly think the Pats are an option. I just think for a team like the Pats, I don't, I don't have off the top of my head where they're picking in the draft, but I don't think it's in the top 10. It's just a lot of draft capital that you got to that you'll have to part with to do a deal with the team that's picking. Um, you know, 12th or 13th or whatever it might be in this round, right? Because if you're Houston, you're thinking to yourself, whoever we trade them to is probably going to be pretty darn good, pretty quick. So we want, we, we want to try and at least lock in that you're going to have one high pick, uh, which, you know, Miami doing a trade with Miami or doing a trade with the Jets does that for them. So, yeah, I think it's a possibility, but I think it's a little more of a longer shot thing. Um, and I like some of the other teams with quarterback problems better. Yeah, I do. I do tend to agree. I feel like the Patriots also, uh, 
I feel like I feel like there there's a I feel like everyone has kind of accepted that it might just be time to start uh, building through the draft and maybe start offloading some of those assets you have, uh, especially on the defensive end of the ball for the Pats. So uh, personally, they're not super high on my list uh, as possible destinations. Uh, Massachusetts also uh, they they got some higher tax rates going on there. So uh, that's uh, another thing to uh, to keep track of. They're they're pretty close to the average, uh, but from how it sounds, it doesn't seem like Deshaun Watson uh, wants average. So <laughs> uh, Broncos, this is a super random one. Bron- Broncos, I it's in play. I mean, they need a quarterback. I, I don't. I, I haven't seen anything from Drew Locke over the last couple of years that makes me think he's. Uh, he's going to find it and be a consistent starter in the NFL. So yeah, brand new GM coming in there could be a fit again, talking about a lot of draft picks. Maybe, maybe they like lock and lock. has some value to them. That seems unlikely to me, but it's a possibility. So yeah, the, the Broncos are, the Broncos again are, are a valid option. Um, I, I just think that it's got to be a team it's got to be a little bit of a better fit than just a team that needs a quarterback in order to work a trade of this magnitude. I think you're going to need, there's just too many teams that have more things going for them in doing a deal like this than the Broncos. So I'm out of the Broncos, unfortunately. One of the most tax-free States in the United States of America as well. They are uh, currently sitting at, uh, approximately like 20% difference between state and U.S. average right now. So I got that list pulled up right now. We're also going to be mentioning that in every single one of these because, hey, it's a factor. It's a factor to Sean. Apparently it's a big factor to Sean. He, and, hey, he's got a point. He's trying to make the, he's trying to make his bread and actually make it. So just cheddar. Yeah, 100%. Um, next one. Actually, well, Luke, what do you think about Denver? Denver, Denver is kind of a weird situation for me. I it's really so don't random. see them. It's so random. Yeah. Uh, just because I think that the I think the division is already kind of locked up with Mahomes kind of running wild in that division. Uh, I don't know. Even though they do have Elway, and I think there is a possibility for recruitment, Denver does have a top ten draft pick this this year. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm out on Denver as well. I think Kyle summed that up really well. Yeah, I do. I do tend to agree. It's such a random pick. And I kind of just looked at them like, Hey, they need a quarterback. So um, another team I want to talk about, uh, I do understand that this team is, uh, is, is a, a division rival, but they all, the, the Indianapolis Colts are also a team who need a quarterback. And to my knowledge, is it true that Phil Rivers retired today? He did. Okay. So I got, I saw this one quote. It was like, yeah, I want to start a family. And I'm like, Phil, you already got 12. Phil's <laughs> got a full football team. He does. He does. He, uh, he's, he's, he's running offensive sets with them and, and all of it. So, um, I mean, I'm excited to see uh, what other family he decides to start here. But um, I feel like it's quite unlikely that they end up trading to a division rival. I mean, who wants to be 
burned by the quarterback that you drafted. You decided you want to build your franchise around. But this Colts team would be absolutely disgusting if you throw Deshaun Watson in the full into the in, onto the roster there. So what do we think about the Colts? Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a great it it's a fit from the sense that they're a team very similar to Miami, a team that feels like it could be on the precipice of doing something special with a great quarterback. Um, but in division, I just think that's a non-starter for Houston. I mean, the last thing you want to do is watch your play against your play, watch, make a mistake and then play against him twice a year for the next decade. Um, so I think that makes it too difficult for them, but they certainly are a team a team that is in need of a quarterback, actually a a friend of mine, I'll give him credit for this. Um, He mentioned today with where this uh, Indianapolis Colts team is at. If you're the GM, do you call Andrew Luck? Hey, Andrew, you still in shape? You interested in coming back and trying to win a Super Bowl? seems like they've got the team to do it. I don't know what kind of shape Luck would be in physically um, from a health standpoint and also from a ability to play football, having been, out for so long but i think it's an interesting conversation yeah i mean i i said it in our wild card preview i'm like man this team they they must be kicking themselves they build this whole team uh based around having andrew luck who was playing some amazing football uh heading into his retirement and boom gone just like that uh and uh, at, at the moment jacoby uh beef brisket is uh, the starting QB in Indianapolis. And if I'm going to be completely honest, there's a really low chance that Colts team, uh, based on uh, the talent surrounding uh, so, uh, all over the field for them, I, I really don't see a world where they don't do anything at quarterback. So, uh, Luke, what do you think about the Colts? I Yeah, I don't see this happening whatsoever just because of the divisional thing, even though it is a really fun – uh, thought because Watson, I think, would complete that equation for the Colts, but he also wouldn't. Com- he would complete that equation for a lot of teams, I think. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. What you brought up, Kyle, about you know, ringing up Andrew Luck and seeing where he's at. What you know, does he want to come back and stuff? I think that's a little far fetched, but it's still a really interesting point to bring up. Uh, can I actually bring up a team that I thought I thought was super interesting? Yeah. Uh, the 49ers. Yeah, they're on my list. Let's let's get to them. Let's get to them here. I think the Niners, I think the Niners actually could have a pretty good shot at him. Uh, a a massive, massive cog in that though, uh, is the the tax dollars that uh, our boy's gonna be after having to pay. <laughs> but uh team construction wise and i mean going in and playing for kyle shanahan uh i feel like there's a lot of attractiveness there kyle what do you think yeah i think it makes sense for sure there you know and possibly could jimmy g go back the other way uh, i think jimmy g's value in the nfl has been diminished this year with what what's gone on with the injuries um but yeah, but he would probably have to go back in the deal to make it work financially. Difficult to carry two $40 million quarterbacks at the same time. So um, yeah, I think it's a real possibility. You know, the tax stuff I think is important to him. But I mean, if the opportunity was presented to potentially go play for Kyle Shanahan and for this win now, um, win 
team that's ready to win. Well, and has one. They went to the Super Bowl a year ago um, in the San Francisco 49ers. I think that's a, that would be tough to pass up if you're Deshaun Watson. I agree. I feel like we could see a fair amount of quarterbacks on the move this summer. I feel like there's a lot, uh, a fair amount of these like talented rosters that feel like they're a quarterback away at the moment. And uh, there's also some pretty solid quarterbacks sitting on some of these kind of brutal teams uh, that could also be uh, a bit of a, of an interesting trade candidate to pair up with some of these teams and uh another another team who i think i mean you don't have to you're you don't have to be a genius to see this but the washington football team could really uh really actually benefit from having a quarterback on that roster who isn't alex smith i mean love the comeback player of the year narrative but uh if you're gonna try win a playoff round and not go seven and nine uh, I don't think Alex is uh, Alex is your guy. Now, have they found something good in Heineke? Uh, we don't really know yet, but uh, we also th- th- this also has some makings of uh, some Matt Flynn kind of stuff uh, <laughs> with this random quarterback showing up and uh, playing all right, and uh, some team going and making a move for him, and that crashing and burning. Uh, I'm talking to you, Seattle. But uh, luckily, Russell Wilson came to save the day. But uh, yeah, what do we what do we think about uh, what do we think about the Washington football team? I think yeah, this is kind of a, this is go. Sorry, go ahead, Kyle. Oh, sorry. I I, uh, I was going to probably say the same thing as you that it's kind of fun and kind of makes sense. And I mean, it's a division that feels ripe for the taking. Um, I mean, I, I think you can probably make this argument for just about every team. Uh, that's not playing this coming weekend. And that's maybe there's like maybe a group of three or four other teams. There's probably like 25 teams, 20 teams, 25 teams in this league that you could make the argument for going and getting Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I mean, even just looking in this division, the Cowboys are without a quarterback when free agency opens on October 1st. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, they have a path to re-signing to, you know, they could always tag Dak and keep Dak around. But I mean, that's another team within that division uh, that could potentially be be interested in a quarterback, and uh, I think Watson would be would be crazy to pass up the opportunity to play for the Cowboys, or you know I think even the Washington Football Team. That's also still a really big market team with a great defense. So yeah, I think I agree with you, Tyler on Washington, and I, I really think that you can make this argument for every team uh, except for the teams playing this weekend and maybe a few other ones. Yeah, totally agree. Luke, what do you think about Washington? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I agree with Kyle. I would love to play with, I would love to play for Ron Rivera. I think he's a really good coach and I think he's good for morale as well. And uh, this team is young as well. And I think this team could really run away with the division if they were able to pick up Watson. Uh, Their defense is, you know, established as well. They have the draft capital as well. I think they also have the cap space as well and so i think the only thing is uh you know that ever uh more tax uh factor the state tax factor so i don't know what it's like in washington specifically but uh i think washington could fly under the radar a little bit here to be honest pretty high tax rate oh yeah yeah. sorry washington you're not going to get them probably 
yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not taking home Deshaun. Um, but yeah, I do. Kyle, actually, the the Cowboys, yeah, he's staying in Texas, and he's not going to be, he's not going to be paying taxes there. So that's actually an interesting little tidbit there. There you go. There yeah. you go. Love that. Uh, I think they could also be a little more concerned about building a defense in Dallas before, before uh, splashing too much on. Uh, on on uh on Deshaun Watson so we'll see what they do uh I had the New York Giants written down did not know that he doesn't want to go to New York uh of course because of the tax um I got two teams left this is also a state that uh is going to be making him pay up the butt for uh tax wise but uh that's going to be the state of actually no it's not not horrible uh state of Illinois go to the Chicago They've been a, a little bit in the mix here. And uh, I know I'm a bit of a Trubisky truther, but uh, I'm not an idiot. I know that uh, Deshaun Watson is definitely an upgrade from Mitch. Uh, they do have some intriguing pieces ar- around Mitch that I think Deshaun Watson could definitely uh, make do with. Uh, definitely better, some better weapons he's had in Houston this past season. So uh, I love Allen Robinson, and I think that's also an intriguing piece for Deshaun Watson if uh, Chicago is on the table and uh, maybe offering some trades. So what do we think about Chicago? Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing with Chicago, though. So in Il- Illinois, yes, on paper, that state income tax might not look bad, but the most expensive property tax in all of America. Oh, my. <laughs> I mean, Deshaun's going to want to own a home, right? He doesn't want to live in a rental. He's a, he's a made man. Oof. Now he's got to pay big property taxes. <laughs> I don't know. But here's an idea, that, though. Sorry, I actually have a quick idea. Uh, if okay. Deshaun Watson is listening to this, uh, I'm thinking there's, there's a shot here. He could go to a neighboring state and pull a bit of a Kawhi Leonard uh, like Kawhi did with the Clippers. Uh, obviously, San Diego to Los Angeles is a bit of a, uh, a shorter drive uh, than, let's say, uh, Illinois to Indiana, who has uh, quite low tax rates. Um, but at that point, you might as well just for- force the trade to your uh, division rival in uh, Indianapolis if you're going to go do that. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, no. Other other than the uh, other than the free tax advice that we're we're throwing out for Deshaun Watson, <laughs> um, yeah, Chicago. I mean, it would be a huge upgrade. I'd love to see Matt Nagy with a quarterback with that kind of skill. I think it would really allow him to to truly kind of unlock his potential as a head coach in the National Football League and harken back to some of those things that that he showed as a as a coordinator. So. Yeah, I mean, it would be an unbelievable fit. And, you know, again, I think you could just kind of go all day with these teams that, that would fit would fit this, uh, would fit for a player like Deshaun Watson. Agreed. I got, uh, I got three more teams written down here. Two of them are considered outside teams, and Kyle has a, a little interesting piece for us to, to talk about that. But uh, my last one on the list here is the Carolina Panthers, actually. Uh, I'm not a big like I actually don't mind Teddy Bridgewater, um, but I mean Deshaun Watson is uh, definitely an upgrade there. Do you think there's any world where the Carolina Panthers go out and try make a little bit of a move for? I think the Panthers should be uh, should be very high on the list. 
of uh, potential suitors. Um, I think I think that's a very attractive spot to go to if you're Deshaun Watson with a, with a new coaching staff um, that showed some great things and a, a good offensive coordinator. So I think that one should be very high on the list if you're if you're Watson. Yeah, I completely agree with Kyle. I don't really have much to add there. Yeah, me neither. Uh, but let's let's. Uh, I mean, there's also just the attractiveness. Uh, they have some nice uh, nice receivers out in Carolina. Uh, some guys I think Deshaun Watson could definitely uh, do some good work with. He's also got CMC to work with once he's back and healthy. Uh, that's also a huge pull. So that offense could be electric if they got a Deshaun Watson there. Um, okay, these last two ones. Uh, Kyle, take us away on the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders here. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders suffer from the same problem I talked about earlier with the, the lack of kind of draft compensation. But you know what the great thing about draft picks is? You get seven more each year. So they would have to trade a lot of draft picks, a lot of first-rounders most likely to do this, but it could work. And, I mean, it would be it would be pretty crazy. I, I really – Raiders are one of those teams left on the list. The Bills were definitely on there for me. I have teams that I want to see be successful, teams that I want to see uh, go deep in the playoffs and succeed for their fans. Um, Raiders fans, new fans in, in uh, Las Vegas. Um and then also fans all across, uh, fans of the Raider brand. Um, but speaking to our concept of our, our tax situation, you know, the Raiders, they used to be in probably the single worst situation that you could possibly be in. Um, you know, they were in Oakland, they played in an old stadium in a bad tax state, and now they're in a brand new stadium in a state with extremely low taxes all around, and of course, no state income tax. So, hey, maybe... Uh, Maybe Deshaun wants to take his talents to the desert, and uh, I think it'd be really fun. And also, we would basically guarantee ourselves um, some fantastic Watson versus Mahomes games and Watson versus Herbert games uh, for the next few years if, if we could make this happen. Those That division would have electric games, to say the least. Uh, yeah, I do like that. I actually I, I don't mind that at all. So uh, last one here, actually, uh, in light of the possibility of Drew Brees retiring. Uh, I know Jameis Winston had his eye surgery this past summer. So guys, he's not going to throw any interceptions. <laughs> he's not going to throw any interceptions this, this year when he's got the uh, Drew Brees starting, starting role in new Orleans. But what about new, what about the saints for Deshaun Watson? I mean, it's been a, it, it's been a while for them to get over the hump. And I feel like we actually haven't really talked that much about how good Deshaun Watson actually is. If I'm going to be completely honest with you guys, I think he actually might be the third most talented quarterback. Yeah, you heard that right. I actually said it. I think he's the third most talented quarterback in the NFL today. Uh, I just think he's got uh, a, a horrible team around him, and he did not have much help from that defense either. And you're hearing J.J. Watt come off the field in that last regular season game be like, you know what, man, like, I'm sorry. We should be 11 and five every year, basically. Um, I mean, Bill O'Brien is really the guy who should be saying sorry. And uh, any other, any other decision makers in, uh, in Houston. But uh, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think the saints could actually be a sneaky little contender for Deshaun. There's a, there's a, there's a hole there quarterback, I think could be interesting. What do you guys think? 
I mean, I'm a little skeptical on this just because Saints, the Saints only have, I think I was just reading three draft picks in 2021 and their caps, their cap situation, I think is pretty locked up. I mean, they can probably get rid of a few contracts and stuff to, to kind of make it work, but it would take, it would take a lot, I think. And I really wouldn't see, I can't really see Deshaun going to a team like the Saints. Yeah, I would I would agree with uh, with Luke completely. I just think there's it's too difficult to make it work um, as far as the draft compensation and also the the, the uh, salary cap table for for the Saints. So sadly, I don't I don't think this one's going to be a possibility. Yeah, I do agree. It's the kind of thing that uh, they're on my dark horse kind of list for a reason here. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's tough to it's tough to sit here and actually think the saints are going to work it out with the resources they have to make this kind of thing work. Uh, but there, Hey, he's on the table and uh, we don't know what kind of package would be uh, outgoing from the team making this trade. Uh, if I'm Houston, I try, I mean, obviously you try go out and get as much as you can, but you don't actually know what that situation is going to look like. And sometimes teams just hit the panic button and uh, fire off a, a horrible trade. And, uh, hey, we have – history may repeat itself uh, for the Houston Texans uh, when it comes to that. So, yeah, I guess that's going to wrap up our uh, nice little Deshaun Watson uh, sweepstakes thing here. It's quite, quite extensive. Um, I think I might just throw it in my Instagram bio that I'm uh, Deshaun Watson's financial advisor. You guys are welcome to join. Uh, but uh, – <laughs> I mean, I feel like that would look pretty good alongside TW curling commit. Uh, I don't know yeah. about you, Luke, but I feel like I feel like that's probably the next step we take in our careers here. So, uh, Kyle, you're you're welcome for the ride here. You can handle the property oh. tax stuff. There you go. Yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll manage that side of the business for us. Yeah, and you can, and then uh, we can like map out routes if he wants to, you know, live in neighboring state or something. Uh, <laughs> get the right, get the right deal for our boy Deshaun. So yeah. Yeah. Any- we'll make sure, make sure you can get to the facility on time and everything yeah. like that. We'll take care of them. We yeah. do what we do. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, I could even personal chef for the guy. Um, I mean, a- eggs on toast, uh, cereal. Um, what else? Uh, I can make, I can make a mean butter chicken, uh, well, Costco actually makes a mean butter chicken. Uh, <laughs> pot stickers. <laughs> you, you, must, so, you must have you must uh, have the same chef as me because that's all that's all the same stuff I got. <laughs> yeah, I, my guy, my guy will talk to your guy, and uh, we'll yeah, work perfect. something out for Deshaun. <laughs> we get a group, get a group rate or something. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like it makes sense, and uh, hey, he's he's also going to be paying a lot less. Uh, that he would with a normal personal chef. Think about the ingredients we're throwing out there. I mean, it, it's not too expensive. The the life the life we live. Uh, it's not a lavish lifestyle. If he's really penny pinching, uh, maybe he ends up going to uh, the the 49ers and he's he's getting taxed up the butt a little bit more than we thought he would. I I feel like I feel like well, that's actually a pretty good avenue for us. He could even live in San Diego with Kawhi as as well. So. I fully expected that Kawhi eats the same way we do. So yeah. I, I would expect that that's just how Kawhi operates his life. So they'd fit in well together. 
Well, I don't know if you guys ever heard the 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 story of Kawhi Leonard uh, when he was playing with the Spurs, and uh, they went to like some nice restaurant as any North American sports team will do uh, on the road. And this is when he was with the Spurs, and I don't remember. I think it was actually Patty Mills who told this story, and he said uh, they go, everyone orders their stuff, and Kawhi just orders an apple. And, 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 and he gets the apple and, and guys are like, what are you talking? Like, what are you doing, man? Like you just played a full game and he probably dropped like 28. Uh, <laughs> and Kawhi, Kawhi, apparently he's like just about to take a bite out of this apple. He's like, just says like apple time, apple time. <laughs> That's all he says. And I imagine, I imagine he follows it up with either a straight face or uh, one of his, uh, <laughs> uh one of his laughs so uh yeah i uh that's all that's a story i will cherish forever a a true marvel so uh Kawhi leonard is so yeah anyways i guess that's gonna wrap up our our episode we we don't have much football left kyle how are you doing no no we are running out of weeks here i know um two, well i mean we got this week and then we've got the week off next week what would have been the pro bowl week but no Pro Bowl. Which I'm um, really upset about. I think everyone's really upset for the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I mean, I think the future of the Pro Bowl is probably going to be what we have this year, which is no game. Yeah. But we do the selections in the traditional way to maintain the statistic and to be able to have the record of how many Pro Bowls you made. Agreed. But I think I a lot think, of sports think... leagues are actually going to start moving in that direction. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, it depends. I, I think the NHL one and the NBA, the NBA one still have value to those leagues um, as kind of a middle of the season. You schedule it as a rest. People come in. It hopefully draws some eyeballs. The NFL one is just at a weird time that everybody wants to, everybody's more concerned about the Super Bowl and doesn't, and people are also traveling, right? People usually are traveling to the Super Bowl for Super Bowl week. So yeah, but then, yeah. And then we got the Super Bowl in two weeks and then it'll uh, it'll be golf i'll be uh, i'll be into the golf back to golf there you until, go. uh, until the f- next football season rolls around amazing you love to you love to see it anyways uh kyle thank you once again for joining us it is always a pleasure having you on my man and uh yeah hopefully we uh we have a, a yet another good week of football ahead of us here i think we got a great slate and i'm really excited some good games coming up here Absolutely. And I guess we'll uh, not to not to tell the viewer what's coming, but I'm assuming we're going to be back on two weeks from now to, to preview the Super Bowl. This is correct. OK, well, That's... I'm going to be coming in hot. Yeah, with some fantastic props. So uh, all right, so there will be I will have several Super Bowl props prepared. You'll have your own one dollar parlay and Luke and I, I will just be your audience. I, I cannot I can't confirm much, but I can confirm multiple ways to lose money. I will come to the podcast with. Love it, love it. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing for it. So, anyways, yeah. Thank you so much for joining, and uh, that's gonna wrap up episode sixty. We're here at the of of the the Marshall Sports Podcast. So, yeah, we will see you next week. But bye bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>